one thing I tell people, God bless the people that, that took advantage of me and, and, and had bad intentions with me because it made me wiser and it made me better. And it made me, you know, it developed the survival instincts in me that I, that I would not have if I didn't go through a lot of stuff. So, so my bad experiences are some of my greater motivators too. So, and I've had that I've had, man, I've been, I've been done every which way, but right by a lot of people and especially in this music industry stuff. But again, I, you know, as I, as I become the man I am and, 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 and as I keep trying to continue forging forward with this, I, without, without all that, I wouldn't have no grit to me. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be equipped for it. Cause you got to have something in you, you know, to be able to make it in this, this, these waters here. They're different. Hey, flat during good times, tall tell some big lies, fall under your category. Get with Aaron and Joe's cause you know you want to go and hear them cooking up a story. Just get with Aaron and Joe's, hey you know you want to go and hear them cooking up a story. Alright friends, welcome back to another episode of Cooking Up a Story with Aaron and Joe's. This episode's listener of the week, we got two of them. One is Matthew Nickel and the other is Joe Miller. Both of these fellas reach out to us sent us some very nice message on how we're impacting their lives uh reach out to you joe what do you got to say about these good guys well man you know matt matt seems to be a guy that understands value for value mm-hmm. he he uh he listens to the show he's he's all caught up yeah on listening to the show so today's show is going to be something fresh for him he's offered up a little merchandise for us yeah some hats and oh yeah what I told seven three eight. Mm-hmm. What I told him was is that Bill's hat and Aaron's hat and my hat could all be the same, but if he was going to send four hats and one for Joe Martinez, Joe Martinez's hat needed to be extra special, yeah, extra flashy, yeah, something that really stood out in the crowd, a little peacockish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so he uh, he needed that. And then our other old boy, Joe Miller. Joe Miller. Joe said he lived eight hours away or he'd mm-hmm. be here with us about every Tuesday. And uh, he really appreciates what we're doing for men across the country and those women who like men like the men that we talk about. Mm-hmm. Manly men. M- manly men, yeah. Yeah, I guess you could say Girly that. girls that like manly men. I would say just men that still have solid American values. You bet. And so these two guys, along with everybody else who likes and shares and and gives us kind words, hey, this show's for you. Yep. And you're the official sponsor for today's show. So who's our guest tonight, Mr. Aaron? We have the one and only Big Chuck. Oh, wiggy, wiggy, whack, boy. That's my kind of music. We've got our first official a rapper yeah on the show we've come yeah. a long way boys yeah would it, would it be considered rapper or is it you just call it hip hop well, is it hip hop i guess i, I just I, I just uh tell stories at a little faster pace i guess is what i'd there like to go. say i love there it you, you do a pretty damn good job too i usually if i want to listen to country rap i just put on merle Haggard and hit the times four it's it's kind of fast martinez you've kind of you've been a huge fan of this country rap i know you're a colt ford guy and all that i've listened to colt ford i mean 
I don't. I don't. I don't think I call it rap. I, I go with. I go with a hip hop. Hip hop. Not not hip hop. Right. Hip hop. But uh, yeah, I mean that, that's. <laughs> yeah, have you, you ever heard, heard, heard that Man, I, I wore all the badges. I guess I, the country rap, hip hop, uh, all that stuff. So hey, whatever it is, it's just. What we do, I guess. You yeah. bet. You bet. Yeah, it's pretty unique. It's, I mean, as long as like you're getting it. getting your message across, I guess it doesn't matter. I, I tell you what, me and Big Chuck, we like to talk early in the morning, long before the yeah. sun comes up. And You know, older I've gotten, I've started getting up earlier and earlier, boy. Well, <laughs> I, got up, I got up real early Monday morning. Same here, buddy. <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> that's real tradition. When I think rappers... I think early early to rise. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I never put that together. <laughs> I think five a.m. Boy, they're up feeding chickens. Hard working is what I think. So Big Chuck's not only going to be our first rapper, but he's also going to be our first official moonshiner, who's lets the world know that he's a moonshiner. Mm-hmm. Right? We may yeah. have had some guys who know how to cook up some clear clear whiskey. But they don't go to a bragging about it. So that's going to have a bunch of questions yeah. on how does a man keep his ass out of a crack, make an illegal whiskey, or maybe it's Stay not. Moving, <laughs> Stay moving, baby. Stay moving. Stay moving, you bet. <laughs> maybe... out, hey, first thing, you got to have a Chevrolet pickup. Is that it? You bet. Yeah. That's, that's the key to staying moving. Huh. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. So where do you want to start, Aaron? Let's take it back to the beginning, Big Chuck. What give us a little background of where you come from, you know, where, what was it like growing up and what got you into what you're doing today? And I'm from a little town of Garden, Arkansas. Uh, it's probably an hour west of Little Rock and in between Little Rock, Texarkana. And I mean, just a couple thousand people in the town. And I lived in a little community outside of that called Oklahoma. That's, uh, even smaller, I think 300, including all the dogs and cats, you know. And, uh, and, and man, you know, I just grew up in a in a normal Southern family. Daddy was a hardworking man. Works at a worked at a paper. I mean, not the paper mill, the plywood mill down there in town. And Mama kind of kept the house in order. And man, we just, uh, you know, the normal, what I consider normal anyway, just a just a country living, you know. Mm-hmm. Surrounded by a bunch of woods. Lots of pine yes, sir. trees. Yes, sir. Is that where your passion came from? I mean, I'm assuming they were all around you and you had a lot of freedom out there. Man, you know, I, I always had a knack. So my, my daddy was, uh, he played in a cover band. It, not nothing, They didn't do nothing official. They just met up on Fridays and drank good liquor and, and played a lot of Leonard Skinner and Hank Jr. and all those kind of songs. And, and you know, and they, they usually was, uh, you know, doing other activities in there so they'd always send me off to my room and <laughs> i remember i yeah you know i'd sit sit by the door and i'd uh i just listen and i had my my picks you know that they'd play and and boy i just i wanted to go in there so bad and and, and sing along with them and stuff like that he, he used to keep me away but every once in a while after they got, got good and soft stuff you know they, they'd let me come on in there and and from probably the age of four or five years old i could sing almost every word of a leonard skinner song if you put it on hey what a shame I it is keep they didn't time with drums a little bit with them and so i just man i'm telling you boy that that that's literally what i cut my teeth on and uh you know and then 
course, like the Hank Juniors and the Waylands, all that outlaw stuff. That was my daddy's motif. So we, you know, I, I just, I had it just, it wasn't, it wasn't nothing that I, I had an option. You know, I just, I, that's all I listened to. And then, you know, and I guess where the, where the rap comes into play is I'm, you know, I grew up in the nineties and, and rap kind of took over, you know, and, and I realized I had a little knack for making words go together and sound pretty cool. And, and that, that was kind of how I, started off with little poems and stuff like that or whatever and and and, and then so the rapping just happened and and i would do it which is kind of crazy i'd do it just sitting in my bedroom when i'd be listening to them playing that that was my music you know i didn't have a stereo or nothing in my room at the time we were a pretty poor family right and so so so, as so far I'd, as... I'd hear them in there jamming out you know and just get after it with them so as far as uh, you know, back when you were a kid and you're you know listening to your dad, and obviously you're probably listening to the radio and that kind of stuff. Did you ever listen to any kind of rap back then, or was it mainly just country you know, music and southern rock? Mainly, yeah, just that up until I probably kind of got into the teenage space, and and that was when rap kind of first really become this this type of music that that people were opening their ears to. But it was still like you know. You know, I hate to say it, but it wasn't really allowed and tolerated in my house. You oh, know, I absolutely. Turned yeah. down real low. Absolutely. I, I turned out real low, and, and you know, I had me a little. You know, by the time I was a teenager, I had one of those little uh, boom boxes everybody kind of had. And, yeah. You know, and I, I'd sit in there and I'd have to cut it down real low because if they heard that bass at all, they'd run in there and shut it down. You know. Right. So it was kind of like a little little secret thing, you know, that I had going on. But so at the start of your was, uh, your your rap career was under wraps. It was. Man, I'm rolling. <laughs> rapping under wraps. That's going to be our next, his, his next song. Let's go. <laughs> hey, Chuck. So growing up, you went to you went to a nice little public school, I imagine, huh? Oh, yeah. And you got to think, Garden, too, like demographically, you know, it was it was just about as many uh, black folks as it was white folks. So growing up in that, in that, in that town, you know, your culture was just a lot different because, like, where I'm from, you know, people of other skin tones did the same thing we was doing. You know, they, they hunt and fished and all that stuff, too. So it didn't really feel they had a different cultural upbringing, you know, obviously being inner city versus country. But 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 culturally, we were a lot alike, you know, exactly. and we, yeah. we were all we were all unified underneath the title of just being poor in the south, you know, so it was it was. I didn't feel out of place in any environment, you know, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, and, and, you know, on talking about that, there ain't a whole lot of difference between a redneck and uh, a black dude who's kind of, kind of, uh, look, I, I, here's how I'm going to play this. Y'all are looking at me with puppy dog eyes. Play it smart. This, this, I'm going to play. <laughs> oh, all right, I will. I'll play it smart. This is what I think. This could be wrong. Derek, you're sitting in I here. I think I know where you're going. Okay, so here's yeah, the, the same deal. struggles. I mean, yeah. so, so if you grow up in a poor community, you're all just uh -huh. as poor. Yeah. Y'all yep. eating the together. same kind of groceries. Mm -hmm. You're going to the same right. damn school. There's a good chance you're going to listen to the same kind of music and like the same type of stuff. Mm -hmm. the, the difference Absolutely. is, is the redneck boy, you give him, say, uh, a $500 COVID check. <laughs> okay. That redneck dude. Listen here. You I'm boys are I'm thinking I'm going to get in a bind. I ain't getting here in a bind. Here it comes. Is that what he would do? I ain't getting in a bind. Listen to me. So the redneck boy 
when he gets that free five hundred dollars, he's thinking about how big a mud tires he's going to put on his truck. <laughs> okay, he's sure. taking. He's thinking. Okay, keep going. Uh, okay, I see where you're listen going. to me. I know where you're headed. The black boy who lives in the same area, he's thinking about how big a wheels he's mm-hmm. going to put on on the damn Chrysler three hundred. Same thing. Okay. There ain't a lot. Yeah. I, I, boys, I'm just telling you. I, the redneck boy, he's wanting to play that Hank Jr. just as loud as he could play it in his truck. Tell them old Krakos give out. <laughs> <laughs> the black dude is wanting to play his whatever it is. Uh, it could be the same. Snoop Dogg. Yeah. As loud as he could play it, mm-hmm. right? They're yes, both going to get pulled over the same amount of time. This is just what I know because when I was a kid, I got pulled over because I was a teenager. If I was black and I got pulled over when I was a teenager, in my opinion, I'd got pulled over just as many times for doing the same stupid shit. But I'm telling you, culturally, the redneck, poor redneck, and the poor black dude living in the same town on the same side of the tracks – they got the same problems, mm-hmm. and the problem ain't what color they are. The problem's how much money they got in their you pocket. Bet. Hey, that's yeah. what I'm telling you. Have you have you seen the skit from Saturday Night Live, the Black Jeopardy skit that has Tom Hanks in it? I don't watch a lot of Saturday. Night okay, well, I, but I'd well, be glad, rightfully to to so, because it's not great. But every <laughs> once in a while, they have a gem of a skit. And they've got this skit where it's Black Jeopardy, and there's two black contestants, and then there's this guy that's played by, uh, what's his name? Mm. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, thank you. And how the, oh, you yeah. see. <laughs> In the beginning, everybody on the game show is looking at Tom Hanks like, you don't belong here. And after about the third or fourth question, and he answers it correctly, and then he answers multiple questions after that, correctly everybody kind of comes to this uh, conclusion that we're all really pretty close to the same like right and that's the point they're trying to get across. exactly exactly chuck there there's a there's kind of a paradigm that in the south bill Every one of you boys keep rolling the back. I'm, I'm talking to Big Chuck. I'm listening. I'm driving thinking, down the road. I was thinking 10 cents when you said paradigms. Okay. Paradigms. <laughs> There's a paradigm. There's a paradigm in the South that ducks play with ducks and chickens play with chickens. Okay? That's this thought that yep. ducks play with ducks. There's, I understand what you're saying. There's not much difference. Just bass and treble. but the truth is (laughs) the truth is as young boys when you're playing you really don't give two shits as long as everybody wants to play absolutely Mm -hmm. you know and hate chuck you you're the you're the man for this story but hate is something that that you learn Mm -hmm. absolutely you're exactly right. And, and, and not only that, man, it, it is a, a, you know, that, that whole, I see more racism and things of that nature when I go to bigger cities and, and stuff like that. Absolutely. Where I was from, like, my dad had, had guys he worked with, black gentlemen that were in and out of my house my whole life. And they all had, they brought their style of music to the table and their cultural influence. So they're cooking and all that stuff. So I, I you know, you, you get you get a well-rounded culture when you get both sides of the fence. Because yeah, we like to cook. You know, I tell everybody, well, cooking back then, you know, was every 
thing was a lot of soul put into it, and it was cooked to the meat was so tender you could eat it without teeth because mm. a lot of people didn't have teeth. You exactly. know what I mean? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. And not only that, and so, poor, so, poor people, are they're not eating the filet. Right. You know? No. Poor, oh, neck bones. Poor people love some neck bones. I think, I think you got a song that mentions the neck bones, don't you? Dang right. And, and, you know, and I tell my favorite thing that my, my daddy used to say, you know, he'd say, hey, guess what? Tonight we're going to have beans and cornbread. And then uh, tomorrow we're going to have cornbread and beans. <laughs> so that was, Mix it up that's a what's little. in my fridge right now. Yeah. Last night I had it. That's what I had. Tomorrow Sunday. I'm going to have it again. There you go. There you go. So day three I mean, is the best. Good, that, that's the gift that keeps giving, you know. Day, day three is the best. On you know. So, Chuck, when, when you were in school, elementary school, were you a good student? I mean, you know, uh, wayward, I guess you'd describe it, uh, kind of a clown. I didn't really ever take it too serious, you know, and and, and just kind of got by by the skin of my teeth. I had other things I wanted to be doing, you know, and and, and but I, I did it because it, it needed to be done, I guess, you know. But now I'm more or less a clown, just a, just there for a good time, you know. Absolutely. So was Something the reason... Do. Was the reason you weren't a good student is because you didn't like to sit in a chair for 45 minutes then take a five-minute break and sit in a chair for 45 minutes, take a five-minute break? That's how you get your Ridland script now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's that fast-track program to the penitentiary is what that is. Yeah, Yeah, Ridland was an ass-whooping back in my day. They didn't have Ridland. They just had ass-whooping. Pay attention. So, yeah. <laughs> so, but did you have a did you have a single teacher in elementary school that kind of stood out? Absolutely, absolutely. I think I think everybody had that one, you know, that, that just kind of got you and, and dealt with you the way you wanted to be dealt with, you know. And I had a couple of them. Uh, you know, my favorite. I could tell the story. I was in high school. I, I was involved in a terrible car accident, and it almost took my life. And and, uh, you know, and the lady said, uh, I got out and I was having to do homeschool and all that jazz. And she, she told me, she said, uh, you know, you got to do all these papers. And it was a catalog of stuff, you know, or you're not going to graduate. You're not going to be able to make it through graduation, you know, unless you do all these and you get every one of them right. And I was like, you're kidding me, right? She's like, I'm telling you, you're not going to graduate. And I said, so, man, I went and I just for for days and days turned into weeks you know worked on this stuff and i handed it to her last day and i said listen i've i've there ain't a single problem wrong in any of this stuff and i mean there's thousands of questions and i handed her that stack and she reached over and dropped it in the waste basket and she said well i finally got something out of it before you got out of here boy and that was a lesson you know (laughs) man i'd have had to roll the dice you know that's talking a lot about life though you know like this we do what we we do what we got to do when we got to do it, you know, and that, that's what she taught me there. And, and and that little switch that I was able to flip is the switch that I've kind of cultivated into becoming the the guy that can walk out on stages or walk out on set and and be comfortable because I I developed that little light switch in me at that at that phase of my life, you know, and and that's where I could go into when it's got to be done, it's got to be done, you know. That's yeah. a pretty cool story. So yeah, yeah. so. Have outlaws always been important to you? Man, that's all I really knew. And I'm not, you know, and I know a lot of people like to holler that and, and, and claim that outlaw upbringing and all that. But really, I, everybody in my family was an outlaw of some sort, you know, and, and I didn't know no other way. You know, I, I really didn't. It, it was strange to me to go to environments where people didn't do the normal stuff I seen, you know, and and when I say outlaw, you know, and I and I talked about 
this with you off the record, but you know, I, I don't want to paint a picture like we weren't some big old motorcycle gang out with hard drugs everywhere, nothing like that. My first outlaws was we slipped around and popped deer on high lines and had to jump out and drag them out to the edge of the road, hop at the truck, you know, running a little liquor here and there and doing whatever we had to do, you know, growing some vegetables out in the woods type things. And, mm-hmm. and that was the, that was the environment I grew up in, you know, and that, and that was normal to me. Right. But, but, but that being said, country boys do country boy stuff. And Joe, Joe, you could speak on it. And there's, if you ain't out there rubbing the side of the fence as a young boy, you probably going to get made fun of more than, than anybody. I mean, you don't have to break the law, but by God, you're going to get as close to that damn law. You'll be skirting it. You're going to be skirting you it. bend it pretty hard, and, yeah. And it's just one of those things. I think it in the long term, Aaron, don't you think it just kind of teaches us it, it's the guidance to right to wrong. Right? Yeah, it teaches you a little bit of balance. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, how do you know, how do you know right from wrong if you've never been around some wrong? Yeah. There you go. You know what I mean? Well, and I'll tell you, in my world, uh, the outlaws that I grew up knowing were some of the best people to know. Uh, they were the ones that come over and fix your truck for you or fix a busted pipe or you bet. help you dig out your old sewage drain or whatever, you know, and they, they it didn't determine their, their character. They were all good people. You know, I was raised up by God-fearing people, and I know that yeah. sounds crazy to most people, but they just didn't operate by the eyes of the law, you, you know, but they, but they, it was the law of the Lord, not the law of the land, you know, and it was, uh, but, you know, I, I was surrounded by good influence. They were just, they just had, you know, worldly ways, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. doing what they took, what it took to survive and get through. Well, I mean, Absolutely. Fear and Absolutely. God. Fear and you God and you know? Yeah, you had to be tough, toe the line, take a little risk. Yeah. What Absolutely, the- man. I mean, and, 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 you know, in small towns like that, it, it, this poverty stricken, you know, people ain't real... You know, you, you live off a couple of different things, and that's your pride and your reputation, you know, and you you got a lot of both. You put a lot of stock in it. You don't, you know, my, the biggest thing I ever had, you know, my mama, and she'd kill me if she hears me saying this, but she, she didn't let us get in no, you know, if we got into it with somebody and, and they was wanting to threaten the whoopers or whatever, she made her go face it head on. She'd send us to school on a mission for it because she was all about that. You don't let nobody, you know, take your reputation and you make bet. you out to be a bad person. You stand on everything. And that, you know, and that was, uh, it was, it, so when I say that to some people, they're like, oh man, you know, it sounds dysfunctional. But I mean, at the same time, like it, it, it it's the building blocks that, that make you into who you become, you know? Mm-hmm. You bet. And that's, and that's back then, you know, that's how you took care of, I mean, there was probably bullies. I mean, I don't remember mm-hmm. ever getting bullied. I remember somebody jacking with me. And like you said, you went to school and you took care of it. And that was the end of it. There wasn't something, was yeah. something that just repeated, repeated itself. You know, like, oh, I'm getting bullied. Yeah, well, I'm you getting don't bullied. have Well, it was with me. It was my you best friend. You had a luxury from people. <laughs> we just yeah. throw down school yeah. bus. And but I mean, just saying, all, you know, like these day. kids nowadays, oh, I get bullied all the time. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying that's not a thing. Yeah. But if somebody bullied you, you took care of it. If you took care of it yeah. right at the very beginning, that was it. Mm-hmm. That was into the bullying. You know, that was just absolutely. Well, and it's 
standing up for who you are. Right. Your family's name, like Chuck was saying. Chuck was, okay, family name. So how many generations were your family from down down in those parts? You guys have a, a family name that's known for for helping people, a family name that's known for being outlaws. How much value currently do you put in your family name and and uh you know we talk about that last name is what your daddy gives you it's probably the most important thing that he gives you and sooner or later you give that last name to a woman and then hopefully you're able to pass down your family name another time now if you're a piece of shit and you come from three four generations of that no one cared about that last name then that name could be a burden to you if right. you come from a last yeah. name that everybody thinks is local royalty, well, then that can help you get a car loan or something, right? It yeah, can also, also be a burden to you. That's right. Expectations can, yeah. that you have to live up it, to. Yeah. So your last name, how important is that last name to you growing up and, and currently? Well, you know, it, it, it helped me and hurt me. You know, and, uh, mm-hmm. you got, I had two sides of it. You know, like my mama's side was the, was that was the fighting side and they had a they had a reputation for for you know being well aware and well equipped for a good fight if they needed it to happen and my daddy's side was was a drinking bunch and 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 pretty wild too uh but you know the balance was luckily for me my grandfather on the you know my daddy's side was a was a more patient man and thoughtful and and you know whereas my other grandpa you know my just to paint that picture my other grandpa had been had his throat cut before and been stabbed a few times been in a bunch of fights i I'd actually seen him fight a couple times so uh, your grandpa and you know and mm-hmm. yeah That's and, pretty- yeah you know what i mean you know to imagine still having a grandfather that would fight someone you know what i mean right, as you're yeah. as you're a kid but yeah. that's how you know that like that goes back to that pride thing they grew up in a in a time period where where that was way more important than what it was in my generation but you know they instilled that in me and, and it was you know so being a kid observing all that you know you, you're like i like this concept i like that concept i don't like this i'm gonna change that about myself exactly. I'm gonna, you know and, I, and so i had i kind of recreated it and and, and and went my own way with stuff but but you know, I'm proud of all the influence and yeah, and I stand on my name and, 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 and I, that, that, that reputation is, is since changed, you know, obviously not to get too ahead of myself here, but I mean, I feel like I've provided a little hope for people from where I'm from, you know, you I mean, Hey, I've done, some, I've done some pretty cool stuff that, that normal people don't normally do, you know, and it, it's just, it, it gives hope to people, little poor kids like me that you're like, man, you can do whatever you want to do, you know, as long as you want to do it. Now I think, so I think it's cool, man. I, 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 me, you know, my brother's a business owner. We've done a lot of good things in in the name of, you know, in, in our family name, and we're 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 definitely moving that needle in the, in a positive direction. You know. At what time period in your life did you think that music was going to be your career? Man, I, you know, I, to be honest with you, it was a it was a little little secret hobby, like I mentioned, but. I, when that wreck I mentioned earlier, I, you know, the guy that was driving was actually the guy that kind of aspired to be a musician. And he passed away in that same car accident that I mentioned. Mm. And when that happened, you know, and that was, a, that was, a, you know, that was my, I was, I was 17 at the time. And, um, 
it was real tra- traumatic just just to paint the picture you know I, I i basically watched him as he passed away and um it uh I, something happened then you know it, it was a uh, call it what you want to call it i mean you until you till you face death head on you know i was in intensive care for a couple months they didn't know if i was going to make it and uh and i did and, and something kind of happened in there and i and i started really living you know you've heard people say yolo you only live once you know but until you really stare death in the eyes like that and, and felt it, it, it you don't really understand that concept so i, I changed the way i thought I, from that point forward i was like you know i want to do things and what if that fellow was still here and I would have left, you know, he probably would have went on and did that. So I, I took a bigger interest in it at that point. And that's where it just, the passion started growing in me. And then I realized I was kind of good at it, you know? Huh. You know, that seems to be a common thread with a lot of our guests is some sort of trauma leads them to success. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And, uh, <clears throat> absolutely. And so, you know, we've mentioned numerous times on the show, the, the fact that, struggle is a key element in a guy winning right um whether it's in sports whether it's in military whether it's your hobby your job your your family relationship so many times uh, you know I, i think people try to focus that struggle means you're losing right bill i think that people think that when when you're struggling that that you're losing out on stuff but you're gaining so much you're you're gaining respect for yourself because you see that you could triumph then whatever they throw at you that pulling up and pulling out of it yeah you don't see that before it happens the resiliency you don't and and so for big chuck being in this car wreck damn near took his life took his partner's life his friend's life uh you you don't want that to happen to anybody but damn sure a good wake-up call Mm -hmm. because you start valuing life a little bit more Mm -hmm. and uh yeah man you 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 realize like why why do i want to live you know in a in a manner to where i where i waste time so i you know i i wake up every day with a and i'm like i can't just sit around i i did that you know for for a spell but it was i was dealing with some mental stuff you know but i you know, I was like, I wake up now every day and I'm like, man, I want to get to it. So I think that's the reason why I wake up earlier and earlier. There's time is kind of my enemy and, and, and I want to utilize as much time trying to do as much as I'm trying to do right now. Yeah. So that whenever my day comes, I at least say, hey, I did all I could, you know. Yeah. Did you, you know, several of the people we've talked to about this kind of struggle, they talk about their support system whenever they're in the hospital or they're recouping, re- recovering from major injury did you have a good support system around you while you were laying there getting rebuilt yeah i you know my i I can't my my, at that time my mama was there hand and foot i mean i was in a bad way you know she had to do things for me that i never want another person to have to do for me you know i couldn't even take care of myself as as a human and and she had to do all that for me for a long time and that was the only moment, you know, you go through that as a young man, you, you know, you watch somebody pass away that was near and dear and, and then you're, you're all banged up, beat up. I didn't, they didn't know I was going to be able to keep my right arm for a while. And then they said, all right, you'll keep it, but it'll never straighten out or work again. And, and I, and I've got it to straighten out and work again. I, I was just determined, but you know, all of it kind of come together. I, I, when you're sitting there and you can't even take care of yourself and you got somebody else 
had to do things that you normally would be too ashamed to have other people do for you. You, you just, you know, you, you, it, it all hit me, you know, at one time and that, but I would do that in, in private as, even as a young man, I, you know, I learned to, I kind of developed this concept, like nobody really cares what's going on with you, but you, you know, at the end of the day, so you got to learn how to deal with stuff your own way, you know, and, and, and find your way out of stuff. And so you got to imagine how dark that, that, that phase was in my life, you know, and, and, how much I, I went through as a young man, you know, instead of just out running around chasing girls and stuff, I'm, I'm over here dealing with some mental stuff that most people don't even ever have to deal with, you know? And roughly and how old were you? I was 17, 17 at that 17. time. Yeah. Yeah. Even further back though, man, let's say, you know, I, I just always have had crazy things. I, I got Lyme disease when I was five years old and it almost killed me. And I was laid up for two or three months from that. It's just always been these really, crazy phenomenons happened in my life that set me down every once in a while and just allowed me to just be alone with me a lot and having to deal with a lot of heavy stuff, you know, and, and as a result, I, you know, it, it made me a real headstrong individual. Sometimes uh, it helps me. Sometimes it hurts me, but, I, but it's gotten me where it's got, me, you know? Hmm. So all that time of sitting there by yourself, are you writing music or are you, are you exploring? Uh, Oh yeah, you know I I realized this concept. I'm gonna you know I'll fast forward and I just and this just dawned on me about a year ago. I was I went on a big trip one time and I was up in the mountains doing some really amazing stuff. This is when the TV thing takes off and we'll we'll go we'll go get back to that. But you know I I, I came home and I said man you know I didn't write a single song while I was up there and I wanted to while I was looking at all that stuff. Well then fast forward about a year later I wrote 20 songs. And every one of those songs were influenced by that. So, yeah, I was writing music to answer your question. I just wasn't physically writing it. I was exactly. living it. You know what yeah. I mean? I was putting it all in the head, you know, mm. and gotcha. downloading the old hard drive. Yeah. So we've had there you go. we've had several musicians on our podcast, and uh, all mm-hmm. of them are, are writers. They all write music, mm-hmm. and some of them write Absolutely. country comedy. Some of them write uh, theme songs for the the state of texas right uh yeah is when you're writing a a rap song or the lyrics to to rap is it the same process a guy would do if he was writing a, a country and western song is it the same deal do you have to have the same rhythms in there is there a because like a count who was it that said there was a certain count there's count i think that count come from cole reeves was filling us in on the i don't remember if it was cole or somebody else that cole was yeah, just here but yeah well all, all all music's made to a metronome so it's like a beats per minute so however, however many times it can tick so you can do them in right. four counts so it's like tick 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 one you know what i mean and those right. are measures so 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 country music obviously is written to slower scales but I can, when I rap, so if you if you listen to my music, you're going to hear a lot of outlaw, swampy guitar licks. And that's yeah. that's what I that's what I run to. Well, all those are, are wrote in the same time as somebody singing a slow outlaw country exactly. song would do. Yeah. But if you listen to some of that Hank, I like to call it that old four on the floor kick. That old outlaw stuff was always that foot stomping rhythm. Boom, mm-hmm. boom boom, like you're stomping your foot, right? And that's how we make time, you know, when you're sitting around a fire and you're, you're having a good time. And 
so I, I just all the songs when I hear it, I hear that old Hank and I hear that old Waylon and that old Skinner in my head, and and I just start feeling that that thumping noise, and then from there, I just I just draw a good old story out of my mind, and I and I start jotting it down, and I and I try to articulate it in a way to where you where I really paint the picture. You know, I want you to I want you to see the trees and smell the flowers while I'm writing. You know, I want to I want you to feel mud. like you're sitting right there where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. there you go, and. and so so yeah, if, if they're writing from the heart like that, that then obviously it's exactly the same. It's right. just I just say it at a faster cadence, you know. So it's tell just, us about the, I like tell us about the first time you pulled them balls out and stood in front of people and showed them this magic trick that you had of of uh doing rap in front of someone. Obviously you were singing rap in your bedroom or driving down the road or whatever, but you kind of got to Look, if you're going you to step at up some point, yeah. at, some, at point. some point, you got to get out and show yeah. people this is what I've been practicing on. And, you, and did you do somebody else's rap song or was it something that you wrote the first time? Yeah, man, it's always been original stuff. I don't yeah, know if y'all remember back in the day. It, it was, uh, they would do these singles of songs back in the day during the CD era, you know, and they would, the song would have the, the, explicit version the radio version and the instrumental to you whatever bet. song and that was how i could get it because when i kind of showed a real good interest my mom would when we go to you know the hot springs or one of these bigger towns close to us and do shopping she'd let me go in there and get me a single and that whatever that beat was that would be my beat that i would and so i would i would act as if i wanted to get it because i love the song but i really was just trying to get the instrumental so i could make music i and, got you uh so I, so I would do that, and, and and then obviously, like at school, like this was the in the '90s, there was this this whole era of rap called freestyle rap, and that's right. where basically you just top of mind, make up songs, and, and and you just say whatever comes out and just make it rhyme, and and that was where I could shine. I was really good with that. I could I could do it on the spot, and I could I could tell stories. I could do whatever, and I had a real a knack for it, and so. Then make it right. That's always cool. up. That's special. Yeah. Have and you guys heard any of this stuff? Oh yeah, I've listened to all of it today. So <laughs> yeah. everything I can find on YouTube. Yeah. Chuck, let me let me ask you a quick question. Going back to you buying those albums to get the instrumental. Basically, what you're looking for is you're looking for your beat, right? And yeah. And nowadays, aren't there guys that that's all they do is develop that that beat or that groove, and then people will purchase that from them and then turn Absolutely. that into their. Yeah. So do you, where are you at today? Are you doing your own beats or, or do you farm that out? So, so here, here's the secret sauce to my recipe and other, other rappers may do it differently. I know, I know a lot of rappers and I, I write for a lot of rappers as well. And they'll buy a beat just from a producer already, mm -hmm. you know, laid out. They'll have a little country instrument samples on there and stuff like that. But with me, it's very, it's organic. So all this started with me, Joe Boy, which which you guys will come to know, he, he'll be on the show with me, and my cousin Bub, and we would sit around and he'd pick guitar and I'd rap, and that's what we did. We'd have a good time, we'd drink and we'd do that. And as so as I evolved into being a, a country rap artist, I would take Bub to the studio with me, plug him in, he'd drop an old swampy lick on there, mm -hmm. and I would I would say I I had a producer at the time. Uh, Eddie Robertson, which has gone on to produce a couple of platinum records, even um, 
he would he would just sit there and he had drums and different instruments in the in his little studio and we would just peg it out and I would sit there and give him lessons on how to make a how to make it sound like country and rap mixed together a fine balance what I like to hear anyway right and shit we just Bub would pick it and we'd already have a song laid out and we'd just go to the studio and I'd be like I'd be like literally you'll hear it on a lot of the records I'll say take it down to the river and he'd drop it down and drop me <laughs> tuning where it give it you that bet. old swampy sound and we'd just start plucking strings and these producers would just start vibing to it making drums and beats so because I, I wanted that rap undertone that heavy bass and, the, you know, and stuff like that yeah. but I wanted yeah, because I wanted you to be able to ride around, turn it up, and it make your speaker sound good, and it'd be swampy guitar. Right. That's what I like to hear it. So, Chuck, do you now, play? Now I want you to. Chuck, do you play anything at all? No. Just. Playing. Yeah, I play yeah. guitar. Yes, I play guitar. Yeah, I, I, I ain't as I ain't just the one that's gonna get out there and just really make your jaws drop when I play it. But I can keep time and play a good song, and I right. write a lot of songs like that. You bet. So, but, yeah, that's what. Uh, that's well, the reason I asked. You I said that's, that's the reason I asked. You know, a lot of a lot of songwriters. I mean, obviously play a guitar, but I've I watched and I I may may not have watched them all, but I watched several of them today. And I didn't see you actually playing, but I had. I guess maybe it was your bub that you talking about was playing. Yeah, see, I'm behind the scenes. I'll go. I'll I'll ride them out and I'll call Bub. I'll say, Hey, Bub, here's what I got. And Bub will take it and polish it up and put all that up on on on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and all that. Yeah. And then he, he's doing, that's why I say he takes them to the river with it. You know, I lay it out and say, hey, this is what I got. Uh, and then there's some songs I play on in the studio. I don't, I'm not the, like I said, I don't have the confidence associated to be the guitar player that I go out there. Now, I've done acoustic sets and play right. guitar and all that kind of stuff, but I wouldn't just declare myself a guitar hand. There you go. You know, but there it is. I, I, I'll tell you, though, back, back to. Yeah. Now, what you what you realize when you're listening to the older stuff versus the newer stuff? Yeah, I've lost was... about two hundred pounds. Yes, you have. <laughs> so, yes, you have. So you're Slim Chuck now. Yeah, slim Chuck. So that sounds like bluegrass. Damn, what's your what's your secret? I need to I need to lose my... a few. Go ahead, Chuck. Hey, you know it. You start running liquor. That's what I. That's my secret. You start running liquor. You, you'll see what it's like. You'll lose some weight. I promise you that. So the difference between old big Chuck and two hundred pounds plus and current Chuck. What were you saying is the difference now? In the nasal. Man, the nasal passages. Well, I guess were more constricted with fat. I guess, and it gave me this real high quill kind of nasally tone. You had that cholesterol in your nostrils, dude. Uh, Not just the veins anymore. I sounded like a like a little old English blue tick, you know, and uh <laughs> I, I had a high quill about me and uh and then after I you know when I lost weight it kinda I it just kinda went away, but it's I still got it. I just gotta get real excited to get there, you know. But do you prefer it? It was uh man, you know, hey it's different, and it, it, it definitely uh, I, I, that that nasally tone is what kind of got me my popularity you because bet. it was people people you know they it was it was it caught the ear mm-hmm. and, and they'd be like wow you know what's that that, that sounds like a lot of people compared it to like Cypress Hill mixed with Kid Rock there mixed you go, with yeah. whatever and it was just me and and, and and making music and it was just how I sounded you know. 
and now it's changed yeah so i've kind of lost that little bit of that nasally essence but it's still there i, I it just awesome. ain't as, as dominant as it used to be you know? so when this thing kind of took off I, I picture you sitting around with your buddies you're strumming and you're rapping and then you started getting momentum at parties and then started hitting some stages or how did all that work yeah. out uh, well, I'm going to tell you, it was a fast-track program, buddy. I'm going to tell you, I came in in the country rap space when it was – before it was in full bloom, and it was it was just getting started. And I, I'll i tell you, it's a long story, but I'll tell it to you because it's pretty cool at the same time. The producer that I mentioned working with, I had worked with him previously a long time before that, let's just say four or five years before that. Me and him, he had moved off to California. I lost touch with him, blah, blah, blah. At the time, I was making a phone call over to talk to my cousin about something. And I, I this is before, you know, you, you had to, uh, I didn't have all the phone con- contacts saved in my phone, if you know what I'm saying. I was living mm-hmm. a different lifestyle. <laughs> so uh, I called and I was like, and the voice picked up and I was like, it's like, it's Tommy. And he's like, no, you got the wrong number. But the voice caught me here. And I said, I said, hey, is this ER? And he said, yeah. I said, man, I'll be damned. I said, I've been writing country rap music. He said, man, that's crazy. You're saying that I'm back in garden and I've been making country rap beats and stuff. And I was like, you're kidding me. <laughs> and I, he said, why don't you come over? Fate. So anyway, I go over to his house and, and, and I had this little lick in mind. And me and him sat down and we wrote the song Country Boy Style, which is probably one of my bigger records. And put it out on Facebook at the time. And, you know, I, I, I just, I, when I put it out, I didn't think nothing of it. I mean, at the time, I could post something on Facebook and, Maybe maybe my mama and my, my old lady would like it or something, but that'd be about it, you know. And I and I go in and I to work and I come out and I look at my Facebook and it says I got five hundred something notifications. I'm like, oh, what's going on? I, I click on it and it's got fifty thousand something views in a day. People are like, oh my god, this is you know this is my life, da da da, you know, because I. I hit him with a line. I said, I was born in the sticks, home of chickens and ticks, average poor folks, man. No dreams of getting rich. Barely <laughs> getting by because the price was high. My daddy <laughs> taught me how, my mama taught me how to love. My daddy taught me to survive. And, and when I said that, and boy, and I mean, it just resonated with people, you know. And, and, and man, I just started getting bombarded with messages and things. And then I, I'm scrolling through all of them. I, you know, again, I'm not used to this. And I and I see one and it says, hey, man, I'm, I'm with the... What's the place called? Hold on, hold on. Uh, it's down in Texas, Jacksonville, Texas, Mud Park, River Run ATV Park. Mm. And he, he messages me and he goes, "Hey man, I'll give you thirty five hundred dollars to come play uh, November the something or another. I'll never, you know." And it was uh, Aaron Lewis was there and man, he, he was the headliner. And, I, and I'd be opening up for him and and he uh, and so I, he gives me his number and I call him. He said, "Yeah man, you got a band, right?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I got a band." <laughs> oh you know? yeah. He's like, all right, well, I got you in the books. You're in. I, and I, I remember I hung up the phone. And I looked at ER and I said, hey, man, you still know how to play drums? He said, I ain't played since high school. <laughs> Good I enough. Said, well, he said, he said what do you got to do? I said, well, I got us. A, I said, well, we got one song recorded and, and I just booked a 90 minute set opening up for Aaron Lewis. So we got to put a band together and write a few more songs. <laughs> and, uh, I love and it. And that was my that was my initiation into in the country rap, man. That's exactly how I broke the ice right there. So you got it so done, right? You got it, it go. all Yeah, you got it all put together. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I got a question for I you. I showed Chuck. up down there. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Keep that story going. I sh- I showed up down at, at that ATV park. I ain't never even been to ATV park. 
that I had on camouflage overalls with no shirt underneath it and barefooted. You damn right. And uh, I had on a old old squirrel hunt hat with a squirrel tail hanging off of it. I didn't know what. <laughs> I was just like, I'm gonna just get Mark and saw the best way I can. And I went out there and I and I did a big collage dance all the way across the stage. And then they dropped the music and everybody just went nuts. Oh, and I, and I was like, Hey, you knew you were in the like right a, spot, didn't you? Man, hey, I tell you, that goes back to that light switch I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I was standing there and everybody's paranoid. We're like, man, we we're gonna screw up. We've been we've been practicing all we could, you know. And I developed a band. I've got a friend from high school and a cousin of mine, and we just come together and put a band together, and, and we did it, man. And and, and we must have did a good job because the guy wanted to book me back the next year immediately, you know. So that's awesome. Hell yeah, so, I love that. So my question here, being the novice to rap music. Okay. I'm I'm not the big rap guy. I know that's what? Gonna be, he's yeah. gonna be a shocker to a lot Get of a lot of, of people. Here. Closet. I'm, he's a closet, <laughs> closet rap. Hey, you know, there's <laughs> I thought it was a man from Glad. There's times whenever we're out on the fishing boat or something and I, I may put on some hardcore gangster rappers. <laughs> oh no shit. Just Sir watch. Mix a lot? Is that what you call hardcore? Oh, yeah, yeah. That. I mean I might put in some of that cool J. Yeah. All right. And uh oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh but the curiosity that I got is I'm not in the loop. I don't know one rapper's name from another rapper's name, but whenever I watch these videos, these guys got stacks of money. Mm-hmm. They got big jewelry. Mm-hmm. They got all of this. And then I watch a story about, you know, a country musician who Hell, we know one. Cole Reeves has been traveling the country for 10 years or better trying to make a living and making a $300 check, mm-hmm. right? Playing, traveling and playing this show. Is there that much money in rap music and where does it come from? I mean, you said you made 3500 opening for Aaron Lewis, but. Is, first gig. Is, first gig. Is, first gig. Is this, <laughs> yeah, out the gate. That's pretty that's good pretty look. Good. Out the gate. Yeah, that's it's pretty good go. look. Is this... Worst, worst, worst thing that could have ever happened to me, too. Because then you made, made $50 for yeah. the next 10. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, there you go. Tell us that he's industry. So, he sold that hat with that squirrel tail on to get home. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell, us the, tell us the ins and outs of that industry. And is a bunch of that... I mean, because we're going to get into reality TV here yeah. in a little bit. Yeah. But is a bunch of that stacks of money and bling, 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 and and all of that, is that just to sell more music? Is it they give you a stack of money and say, hold this up and say cheese? Or or how, how, does, how does the rap industry, especially the country rap industry, how does that deal work? Well, you know, pre pre social media and streaming, yeah, it was all probably fraudulent, or they earned their money in different ways, and they just utilized exactly. the whole rapper image to to look like that. You know, I I can tell you from personal experience, every bit of the money I was making was just us constantly trying to upgrade and evolve as a, as a band, and, and I didn't ever I was living off the, you know the skin of my teeth too, and and, and it wasn't. I had, you know, and I hit some licks too, you know, 3,500 wasn't the biggest purse I ever got. And that's, you know, but at the same time I get it. And then you got to pay everybody and then you got to, you got to buy something or something needs fixing or something needs, you know, you need a new piece of equipment. 
so I don't the glamorous side of it. And no, to answer your question, you know, shortly is I've, I've met with some guys that I consider to be legends in the rap industry. Uh, you know, they took me under their wings and, and, and they mentored me. And, and, I, and uh, I won't mention his name, but the first time I met this one fella, I thought for sure, I said, man, I can't wait. I'm talking to my buddy, the producer. I'm like, man, this is fixed to be epic. This thing's probably got a big old mansion in Nashville. He lived in Nashville. I got there and I was like, it was a pretty sad sight. You know, he didn't have nothing. And I was like, he bought I was like, man, money. he was packed up living. And yeah, he was living off his buddies, you know, and I was like, man, you know, and when it came time to eat even, he was like, man, you got me? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. You know what I mean? But I was like, wow, I don't know about the future of this. You know? yeah, then I, I've always, yeah, I was like money-minded, you know, and I was like, man, I don't really see a good uh, return of investment in here. So I, yeah, you know, this I, might I was trying out. my best to, yeah, you know, I because at the end of the day, you know, all this is, is is well and good, but I'm I'm trying to pay a few bills here and and, and you know and, and do some other things. And it was so bye. Uh, so I speaking from personal experience, man, it's, it's you got to love it. You know, you got to really love it. You That's bet. all I. So you rent your Lambos for your videos, then? Is that what you're saying? I think a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you I, think, never, no, he don't I don't think Lambo's, you'll ever get an opportunity to see a Lambo in my video. <laughs> yeah. Lambo with mud tires. No, maybe what you meant to say, sides. Derek, was you rent that big old razor. Razor. Side yeah. by side. <laughs> hey, I got a brand new Kawasaki yeah. mule I'll loan to you anytime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we've since been able to utilize it to, 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 to grow into things, you know, that we never thought we'd have. And that, that's, that, that's the biggest blessing of it all. And I can just tell you, that's a testimony to just hard work and dedication. You know, it, it, you just never know, you know, I, I can tell you the most, the, the most impactful person probably that evolved the country rapid jelly roll right now. Right. I've had the luxury sitting in the same room as him. We were actually had the same management deal at one point. And, you know, I, I've sat in the room when he was converting to this live country stuff. He, he was rehearsing Folsom Prison in a basement where we were at an old used car dealership. Uh, Italian fella owned it. He was managing it. And, um, you know, and I, I remember listening to him down there singing that, that Johnny Cash. And that's he was he, would, he didn't even have the confidence at that point to let people hear him doing that. You know, it was a, wow. it was a, he was trying to perfect it. Right. And wow. So I, that just goes to show you, man. I, at any time, things can change. You bet. It's crazy to, to to see how popular and successful he's became. You know, and, and so yeah, man. It could it could you could be a zero one day and a hero the next. You just never know about music, you know. For sure. But I think to answer your question, Joe, I think a lot of the the flaunting that goes on in a lot of rap music that you might see, a lot of it. And and correct me if I'm wrong, Big Chuck, but a lot of it might be a little bit of bluffing. A little, Stage. little bit for some just appeal and what looks, 100%, what looks attractive. It's just pandering. It's just pandering. What looks attractive it's to your listeners? Whatever culture. Yeah, right. Which you don't see that but in any of his, any of Chuck stuff. You won't see no stacks of hundred dollar bills or. I didn't even see any. Yeah, I, new I, I did us. it on the last he's video, on a stack but it was. Of I did it. On, <laughs> I'm listening. I did it in the last video, but it was just to paint the picture. That I, I put a little stack of cash in there, but it was just to paint, tell the story that we were telling in the video. Yeah. But that's, no. I, that's part of it. 20s I mean, with 100 on top. Mm -hmm. All right, so rap music has been a, a networking deal. It's given, you a, it's given you the ability to stand in front of people, show who you are. And uh, mm -hmm. 
but there's there's the elephant in the room is this cooking clear whiskey and i yeah. i brought in uh two jars mason jars of some shine here one of them derek you've been sampling on that's actually brandy that come from that come from a buddy of mine in georgia he made that and, and it's all legit we paid taxes on it <laughs> <laughs> that shine bullshit I, I chuck i think you might have played on this deal what was the name of the show where were they uh they had four shine makers on there and they had to prove prove their liquor to the master judges distiller. yep so that yeah, that's master distiller so that shine there the guy was on that show and then this clear liquor that i got here it's got it's got old tanks yeah. sticker on there and tank is a buddy of mine from the carolinas who is uh he was on moonshiners but it was the moonshiners that had the barbecue you did you ever watch that one chuck it was yeah yeah the smoke ring or whatever yeah, i think it was called yeah 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 so he's he was the co-star on that tank mm. and uh you you can taste the mash in this one yeah you yeah can the taste clear the one. corn in there can't yeah, you? you know yeah, it absolutely. smells a lot hotter than it is it's not bad so what kind of what kind of shine are you making What's your traditional recipe? Are you germing out corn and and going through all of that? Is it is it a turbo yeast? Come on, he's buying sweet uh, feed. Are you going down to Sam's no, Club and I'm filling a, the carts a, full of sugar? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do that. Yeah, I say, I say that in a song. I said, uh, "Catch me down at Wally, wear a buggy full of sugar bags." <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> At, uh, you know, that's, uh, yeah, I, I do all that. Now, so I, I mainly do, my, my forte is a corn liquor, you know, a three-grain dominantly corn, and I put a little rye, a little barley, a little this, a little that. You know, I ain't going to tell you all of it, but, uh, <laughs> and the yeast is, uh, I use my own little yeast I cultivate, and it's, uh, you know, the best to describe it, it's similar to a bread yeast. It's, a uh, I think you get more flavor that way, and, and it's, you know, and I like to run it real low and slow, and and take my time with it and it's uh I've, I've ran it up against you know people that are you know in these big old highfalutin distilleries doing it and they they all tell you hands down you know small batch whiskey is always going to have better flavor than a distillery based whiskey because we, we get to put all that little extra love in it they don't really get to for legal reasons can't really do you know and and it's just you know it's it's how you run it. I I don't like running the thumper. I like to run it straight into the coal, and 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 you capture more flavor that way. And and man, corn liquor is undefeated. Anytime I pull out a jar of corn liquor to somebody, it's the nose. It it just when you smell it, you're like, oh man, you know. I, I always get the same response when people smell it. They're like, oh man, you know. And then then obviously the taste. That my goal is is I don't want it to burn until it hits your goozle. There you go. And and, and the, if you if you don't feel it till it gets in the back of your throat, then you, you didn't have to taste no fire, and it, you had a good drink, and it, then you feel that little cleansing burn as it goes through you, you know, and it, it's just as uh, long as you can hit all those buttons when somebody drinks it, they, they usually love it. So how, how important is your water source for you? I mean, I, I know South Arkansas – I mean, we live up here in the north part of the state to where we've got 
springs coming up and the water's just as clear as anything you've ever seen do you have is a search for a good water source important are you pulling this out of the well or are you looking for some water absolutely. coming out of the hill yeah absolutely man water's everything and i you know a lot of people they i see these little tiktoks and stuff where these guys are like yeah i just use hose water or whatever but i i, I tried it it just about especially if it's got chlorine and stuff in it it, it, it damn sure ain't gonna give you no good flavor but just you got to have some good water man and, and i like to ph it out water i like to tamper with is it's pretty famous water and it's nine five ph and it's, it's you go to hot springs get that. you go to I hot mean, springs you know, i might <laughs> they got free. They got it free there. You know. Well, they say my on the chicken's yeah, ass. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I, 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 I'll tell you like this: if it's a good water source, I either been there, or I'm heading there. You never know about me. You know. So, water is one of these things when you're looking to cook up a batch. That's your priority first is to is to find your source of water, and then absolutely once you obtain this. Let's go. Let's put this back. It is illegal to make any liquor. Is that right, Derek? Yes. In the state of Arkansas, if you do not have a license, it is illegal to make You can't even make it for yourself. So you can make beer and you can make wine. Well, correct. And you can't mead. make liquor. You can make mead, but you can't make liquor. Did you bring the mead? I got the mead in the truck. Um, so it's illegal, and it's illegal because of tax reasons, right? Yeah first i mean they're going to tell you there's safety issues and all kinds of stuff but the fact of the matter is the state wants their money yeah they want their cut so and it's been illegal to make homemade liquor before even prohibition right mm, i don't know the answer to that joe has it has it big no the, the pro the prohibition laws ain't never really been changed that's the problem yeah. and, and they they still treat it as if it's uh you know, like it's prohibition and liquor's in high demand like it once was. It's, you know, it's, uh, so they, they ain't never opened up the books again at it. So kind of what you're seeing, these, these, these people are just stepping out on the limb and just kind of letting everybody know, like, Hey man, this is, this is something we're going to do. It's, it's our God given right. And if you listen to the wise words of Mr. Popcorn Sutton, you know, he said, hell, I paid taxes on the corn, taxes on the sugar, taxes on, <laughs> on the copper. And, you know, so and, and get if I do with it, it's my business, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so, so uh, you know, it's how you want to look at it, I guess. Have you ever been in the company of or around somebody who's been busted for cooking moonshine? Yeah, more, uh, not too long back, a good friend of mine out of Alabama, uh, he got popped, but it was more or less a witch hunt. They, they thought that he, he had been posting a big 700-gallon pot online. And they thought that he was running that in the backwoods, but he was really bragging about a big distillery pot that was a legal pot. So when they busted in on him, you know, they sent, hell, they put on a big old production. You know, they had people out the wazoo in there and swarmed him. And he went in there and he had a little 50 gallon pot, you know, and the, he said the, the law told him when they ran up on him, you know, they said, man, this is almost embarrassing that we're up here over a 50 gallon moonshine still, you know. So, and, and and granted, he he went through all the the ropes, and they ended up just saying, "No, nah, man, we ain't gonna do this to you over so, that." I mean, nice. you know, it just. Chuck, let me ask you this: Do you think that the legal providers of liquor 
are weighing in with the government to ask them to keep it illegal for people to do it at home? I would imagine so. I mean, it's good for business, you know. You bet. I mean, less people involved. So I think that, mm-hmm. that more money to be made. I mean, look look at like, the disruption know, like, in the brewery industry with the craft brewery. I mean, right. they'll say, you know, yeah. you talk to uh, Anheuser Busch and they'll say, "Oh no, it hadn't hurt." But I worked in the <clears throat> craft right. beer industry and it <laughs> Sit, did hurt. It did sitting hurt. in a bathtub in a in a pair of panties drinking a Bud Light hurt so, worse than craft beer. Well, hey, we've all been <laughs> there. <laughs> we've all been there. <laughs> I think I think it's why big, I don't drink beer. I think if Big Chuck was to do something risky in a bathtub with some suds and his moonshine, he'd sell a million <laughs> gallons. I guarantee you. <laughs> I, this I, this might be I an exit strategy, son. Huh? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, you, you, you go into things, I, I tell I tell most people, man, at, at one time, any man that's in business legitimately at one time operated beyond the, the eye of the law, you know, whether they plumbing or whatever, right? They, they, they did some stuff before they certified or whatever. To I get can't contest going. it. Yeah, I that's know. right. They'd learn how exactly. to do it somewhere. So, so it's just more taboo to be moonshine, you know. So everybody's like, "Oh man, it's moonshine," and it's you know, and it's man, all this stuff. But at the same time, it's just it's just somebody experimenting and learning the craft. I mean, how else you supposed to learn it? You know, right. you so, supposed to just go buy a distillery and become a moonshiner? You know, that, that just yeah. don't sound right. Chuck, walk us through if because uh, I'm sure we're going to see all this on the show. But as a a, a general process of setting up to make shine for for an outlaw guy which which what's the layout of this well so you know obviously you got to find that water source and and when you're finding that water source then you got to be you know where you at where's your location what what's your threats you know and and, you know I've, I've, i've i've did some pretty risky stuff in the past you know we've been on public before trying to do things and all that and so you're talking about terrifying you know to be out there any little crack of a stick you're, you're on guard but i you know I, I normally like to have a little background just like a deer blind you know you want to set it up to where you got something behind you where it breaks that you know just stand out like a sore thumb and and then with that you know you got a camo in you gotta you gotta be as quiet and low-key as you can possibly be you know and, and sometimes that that's challenging when you're when you don't, when we're in flatlands, you know, I don't have mountains, so I can't gravity feed water and all that can kind of jazz. So we have to take pumps and a lot of that kind of noise out there. So once that kind of stuff gets fired up, it's all hands on deck. So usually, you know, you want to keep you a couple of trusted people around you, you know, and, and one of them, you know, that I send them out scouting for deer signs, you know, and they're, they're looking for human signs and deer signs and, and just making sure the parameter is good at all times and just spot checking that and, and, and just, and just try to keep the, the noise at a minimum so your ears are open and, and any any change in the atmosphere it's more of an instinctive thing you know you, you just you got to feel it and if you feel it you just bail out that's <laughs> saying that, mm-hmm. but know, what about try what to about, grab what you can grab but what about just buying the stuff that you need to make it i mean how do you do how do you pull that off without oh that's eyes easy. on you that's you easy. know it it's it, it's fascinating because you you uh you, you get real creative when you're doing all that, you get know, that you, sugar you, you, and you find people. You get that sugar and tell them you just got a lot of hummingbird feeders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and I, deer feeders. I, deer I, you feeders know, funny, funny story is when I when I first was really, really, really going wild with it. I um 
I had old, old one old sweet lady at Walmart I'd always go to, and she asked me one day, she said, what on earth do you do with all that sugar? I said, I make in them jars. I said, I make jelly. Mm-hmm. And she said, boy, I, I sure want some of that jelly. <laughs> you know, I ain't never made jelly before. So I, I, went, I went around to another store, and I bought me – I bought me two or three quarts of some just different kinds of jelly, and I went home and mixed me up a big old strong jar of jelly and packed it in a mason jar and screwed the lid on and went back up to Walmart next time. I said, oh, I brought you something. Here's some of my signature jelly right here. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> give it to her. And, and, and I'm telling you facts. To this day, when that lady sees me and I see her around every once in a while, she go, you got any more of that jelly? That's the best jelly I've had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but, I said, but, I'll try to remember to get you a jar next harvest, you know. Yeah. <laughs> if it doesn't sell out. So that's so that's the yeah, sugar yeah. that's the sugar in the jars. What about the rest of it? I mean, now grain, the corn, corn, you know, and... I, I got a I got a I got a couple old boys that, that are farmers and they, they work for farmers and they'll 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 holler at me whenever they get done picking and, and I just go and you know, and I'll pick up two or three thousand pounds of this and you know, and I'll I'll stockpile the best I can. So is that a sweet and corn or like a grain corn? Man, That's, I just run old standard, standard, you know, deer corn, just old yellow corn. Just I, like I, you know, you corn? can do different things. Yeah. So it's like field yeah, corn. Yeah, just field corn. So, so do you get a different corn. flavor yeah. or a different strength in your moonshine if you use the sweet corn? It's have one or the same thing. Yeah, I mean, all all of it does different things. You know, there's there's all kinds of different corn. You can obviously make all kinds of fancy liquors. You know, I can anything from vodkas to rums and you know all that stuff using fruit base but if you're if you're a volume guy you know and you're just trying to move volume you want to stick to a kind of a standard recipe and that 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 corn is easy to get down here everybody grows corn you know and that and, and then those other grains you know they're a little bit harder to source but i got a couple people and so and you, you just keep it simple and 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 then you let all them other people do all that fancy stuff is is the guy that cooking? Is he what? What end of the scale is the cooker on compared to the guy who's running it and selling it? Does the runner make more money than the guy that's cooking? Yeah, I mean they can because they kind of they control the you know they control the market to a certain extent because they they can they can go out there depending on what kind of salesman they are and they can snake oil you up you know and they can say oh this is some of that old blah 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 you know and this mm-hmm. is going to be 30 to a jar 150 a gallon you know and, and then you know down when you're doing volume you're just trying to you know you're just trying to get rid of it cheap and fast and, and just and just try to keep it going you know and so you don't it's just like anything right you know if you're wholesaling it out then you're you're my bootleg it's making more money obviously so the guy that's running the shine he's the public figure Right, he's the guy that's going to, he's the guy that's going out there running his mouth, saying that he's got the shine. He's going to be the guy Absolutely. that gets caught. And, yeah, there you go. And the cooker, he's the guy that's worried about the camouflage and making the sound out in the woods. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right. Well, yeah, well, it's a different <laughs> lifestyle. You can't really cross over. You know, you got to do what you got to do. In Arkansas, back when prohibition ended, Some, the, the old fellas, you're trying to build something. You got to obviously. No fellas told me that the ones that were the moonshiners, they became the distributors. And the ones that were the yep. bootleggers, they became the liquor stores. 
And he said, the only thing wrong now is you just don't know who your customers are. But back then, you knew them all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it had a yeah. connection well, even you, back you then. Well, you look at the story of... You look at the story of Jack Daniels, right? They, these guys, all of a sudden, when Prohibition ended, they had just barrels upon barrels of aged whiskey. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, didn't make, you didn't make five-year-old bourbon in, in a year, you know? So, so they, were, they were running liquor that whole time, you know? So it, it's just, like I said, everything has an outlaw origin. And no matter how small you want to look at that outlaw side of it, it's all outlaw at the end of the day, you know? So when I was in high school... I had a teacher that realized that I was a student similar to yourself, Chuck. And uh, he knew that I wasn't going to read the the normal literature for, uh, you know, the fancy books or whatever. So he gave me the story of Junior Johnson and, and how mm-hmm. Junior Johnson was a bootlegger. Is that correct? He was not a cooker, correct? I, I don't quite. I don't know who he is. I, I can't. He's, I he's can't a NASCAR say I know guy. Yeah, he's, he's the guy that started guy. NASCAR, yeah. and yeah. and he You're started correct. NASCAR yeah. with him and all his bootlegger buddies, and they and you know they were all running shine all over the southern part of the United States, and they got together to see who had the fastest bootlegger car, right. and that eventually turned into yeah. into NASCAR. Um, but I, I he's got to be credited with you know, the popularity of moonshine in some fashion, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it, it, it definitely, you know, NASCAR, I know that that was kind of the origin story to where all the distribution happened. It was, uh, you know, in the South at least. And, um, you know, that was where even as a young man, you know, my, my, my papa was a dirt track racing and, and, that was where I first kind of started seeing mason jars flying around, you know, and uh, I was like, I wonder what that is, you know. And it, <laughs> yeah, they drink just, a little, put a little in the gas tank. Drink a little, put a little in the gas tank. <laughs> there you go. And I mean, and, and one thing about moonshine that's tried and true is it ain't going nowhere, man. It ain't yeah, went nowhere right. as long as it had. It ain't going nowhere anytime soon. It's it's fascinating to people, and and, and it's fascinating to me, you know. I I, I attribute my my fascination with it you know I, my grandfather my, on my daddy's side was a made wine and beer and stuff he didn't ever run liquor but he made wine and beer i remember uh, you know going in the bathroom and being told don't mess with that stuff he kept it around the hot water heater in the bathroom so i guess it'd stay warm and ferment and i would go in there and act like i was using the bathroom lock the door and i'd just go in there and sniff and play with that beer and <laughs> wine and taste it and just I had an instant just fascination with it. And then, you know, going into the, the country rap space and doing those mud park shows, that's where the, the I seen how lucrative it could be. A and, of jars and that's where I, every, every single hand had a mason jar in it. And I, you know, the first show I, I, I was sitting there and that, that, that same Aaron Lewis show. And it was a two nine event. I didn't play the second night. And I, and I there was an old boy. I, everybody was running around with these jars, and it looked like Kool-Aid in it, and, and it had a sticker on it, and it said some little brand of moonshine. And I was watching, and I, I finally I was sitting over by the stage, and I looked over, and there's this old rigged-out razor sitting over there, jacked up, all that stuff, and it had that same sticker on the door. And I said, "Huh?" And I went over to that fella, and I said, "I said, I said, what's that sticker all about right there?" He's like, "Oh man," he's like, "I." I said, I hear Michael Killen doing this on the weekends when they have these big events. He said, he said, I don't even work. This is what I do. He said, I, and all I do is just pour pure grain alcohol in a, 
Yeah, he said, I pour pure, pure grain alcohol in a jar and put Kool-Aid in it and sell it for 30 a jar. And I was like, you're kidding me. I said, <laughs> people buy that? You know, he was like, yeah. Look he around. said, they, they all want moonshine. And uh, and he told me, he was telling me, you know, at that time, he's like, I order my jars by freight. I order, you know, all this these, these suppliers. He said, I deal directly with this flavor company, and I order the, like, you know, juice totes full of this these concentrated juices. And I was like, wow. You know, and I was like. <laughs> So I'm I'm sitting over there and every, all the other guys that's with me, you know, they're over there trying to rub shoulders with these musicians, and I'm over here just locked in with this gentleman, figuring out his whole entire game plan, you know. And I'm like, all right, okay, well, uh, needless to say, you know, the next event I did, I'd already done sourced me out a, a moonshine plug, and I'd and I had mason jars with fruit in it and <laughs> apple juice. And and I was making more money, and I and I got there's country rappers that will attest to this. I was making more money off that side of it than I was even doing music. So I was popping up at events that I wasn't even performing at, <laughs> just to just to sell liquor. You know what I mean? Because it was oh, so yeah. lucrative. And, and mm-hmm. so and at that time, that's all we had. You know, so that was all the money other than rapping I had. You know, so it, it was important to me. So here recently, you were somebody reached out to you. Uh, production company and said big chuck you want to be on discovery channel yeah and, and, and I, there's a little there's a story associated to that too, let's hear I'll it let's hear that story so uh i'll tell you what, what's weird man about all this is like if you look kind of in the time stamp of my my musical career i i just fall off after a certain year and I ain't doing nothing, but I'm, I'm doing something, but I ain't doing nothing publicly, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm my, a buddy of mine that's an entertainer as well. He, he invited me out to Louisiana, and he said, man, you did songs with all these guys, and they've had a lot of success with it. And he said, I, you ain't never, me and you's best friends, you ain't never come down here and did nothing with me. And I said, I said, man, I just, I'm, I, I got my own thing going on. He said, man, please just come down here. And then I'll let y'all do your homework and find it out. But there's a video and there's a lot of mason jars getting tossed around and handed off to people. And that's what I was there to do, you know. And uh, and in that, you know, a gentleman there, it was some cheesecake moonshine that I'd whipped up. Mm. And um, a, gentleman, a gentleman tried it. And he said, he said, oh, man, yeah, this is delicious, man. He said, I've had all this liquor. I've followed these guys, yada, yada, yada. And he said, it's the best I ever tasted. I was like, oh, yeah. You know how it is, you know, when you're out and about, you just like, yeah, yeah, thank you, man. He said, man, I know people at Master Distiller. I can get you on that show. And I was like, all right, no problem. Yeah, man, do that. You know, and <laughs> kept it moving, right? And, and I didn't think nothing of it, you know. And and I, I go back home and I'm um, I start to get messages on my um, Facebook from a, a company that's, you know, it's not Discovery Channel. It's, it's a production company in there. And I, But I assume it to be spam. I don't pay it no attention. I just... I just see it and just leave it there. And then finally, you know, a few days, you know, a few days go by and the, the gentleman's reaching out to me and I don't even see that. Cause I, like I said, I'm, I'm completely off of that whole public, you know, persona kind of thing. I'm, I'm in obscurity at this point in my life. And, um, he's, uh, he's like, Hey man, the, the TV show's reaching out to you. And I was like, really? And I said, I seen a message, but I thought it was some, some spam stuff. He said, no, that's the, that's the people. So I, I called the young lady back, and, and she said, hey, would you just do a quick little video of, of you and your natural habitat? And, and, and I've heard a lot of stuff about you, and I just want to kind of look at you on camera and yada, yada, yada. 
And so I, I, I was actually making a run at that time and I was, uh, I was running some infuser jars and all kinds of stuff. And, and I just said, all right, I'll do it. And, and man, it couldn't have went more perfect. Like so many dilemmas happened while I was making that video. My, my, my steel got the overflow in the water out of the condenser started running out. I kicked over a jar of liquor. It broke stuff went everywhere. And I was, it was just chaos. You know, it was the worst possible run. And I, I said, well, here goes nothing. Hell, I'll send it to him. And uh, I sent it to him. And she, uh, but yeah, pr previously to me sending the video, she said, now you send that to me. And she said, it may take a couple years or whatever, but we'll, we'll holler at you. I said, all right, cool. And I sent her the video. And within five minutes after receiving that video, I get a call back from her. And she's like, hey, can you be here this weekend? Like, well, you're what? in. We love disaster. Yeah. She said, she said, oh man, you're, you're, they're, they're all about you. They, they, they think you're whatever. And I was like, all right, well, that's good. Cause that was a shit show. And I, I didn't intend on it, you know, being a shit show. I was trying to make it look kind of fancy. For and, uh, and so, yeah, they, 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 they flew me out that, uh, they flew me out up there. Uh, we went up to the Appalachian mountains up there and we did the, the competition show, um, did that and I just like I said I, I didn't I didn't flake from my character I just when I got there I just I just stayed true to me and I was big Chuck you know and 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 I left there and, and before I left uh, one of the fellas came up to me and he was like hey man you know keep in touch with us you know and I was like all right no problem and when I left I was like well that's all over with you know mm -hmm. and um and I hollered at my cousin that, that helps me out on with business and I said you know I said, well, that's all over. I said, let's, let's just get back to what we're doing best, you know? And I said, but I am going to make some content now. This is kind of inspired me. So I said, I'm going to start shooting some content when we're making water runs and things of that nature. And, and I, and I did a couple of things with him. And then I got a, I was just sitting at home one night and I got a message from a gentleman and he said, Hey, I'm the creator of the, the show Moonshiners and I'd like to talk to you. And I was like, what? You know, and I, <laughs> I, I, I ran out side and i was like hold on man i was like you messing with me here and he's like no oh, man uh he's like i've been watching you i've been following you and he's like man you, you know he's like we'd like to come down there and visit with you and and, and uh, you know and the rest is, is 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 to be continued i guess is what yeah. i'll say from there you know yeah. so is it a because i mean you're one man in a crew of guys who are helping you out on on your business of making this this whiskey and so absolutely so if you take one player it's kind of like i guess a musician who has a band and they decide they want the musician but they don't need the band right is is that the type of scenario you're getting in or do they want the whole crew no they, they didn't have a choice you know i didn't i i wasn't gonna do no fake phony stuff I, I that was my rule and then I, and I said you know listen here i got i got family that i that i've been doing this with and that know all about me and i trust them and that's what i'd like to continue to do and they were like well let's uh um, they were like well show us who joe boy is this is my right hand man joe boy and y'all all get to know him and he's i think he's gonna make a big impact on the show as well um and and I, I same scenario i sent him over a little clip of joe boy and he instantly fired back he was like he's in i said <laughs> i introduced him i said hey this is my my double cousin here this is joe boy and they're like double cousin i said yeah, we can't on both sides of the family <laughs> and, uh, and, you, and you, some people don't know what double cousins is well tell us there mr yeah. double cousin. So I, I had two daughters that married two brothers what so that's 
There you go. That, my that. two daughters married brothers. Oh, so that's gotcha. double cousins on both uh, sides. God, gotcha. fairly common, you Derek. Go. You know, it yeah. is in Arkansas. Yeah, well, you Arkansas. know, back in the day, you, <laughs> well, back in the day, you know, the the families, you know, they they had big families and they only lived, you know, by the way, the crow flies a couple miles from each other in the country. So it was very likely that that you know people would end up, you know, siblings across the families would would marry, and and that's kind of what happened. And we had that happen, I think, three three ways. And mm-hmm. <laughs> three different You and the Amish. happened one way. You and the Amish. Yeah. I, I always like to say, I had to say, you know, I said, now, listen, we ain't inbred. Now, I'm, I don't want to make sure it be very clear. No. We don't we think. We ain't lying bred or nothing. Now. Yeah, we, uh, we, you think? We, but we are, uh, we are kin multiple ways. <laughs> but you think of the double cousin, though, it's really not inbred. It's just brothers marrying Sis- sisters. Yeah. It's First all, double date. Oh, yeah. They just all like the same stuff. You, you, you know the you know the stigma with Arkansas boy. They were probably eating that oh, up. Absolutely. Oh, we got yeah. some inbred people. You know yeah. what I mean? This is gonna be yeah. gold. Hell yeah! So me and yeah, me and Chuck's spent a few mornings talking on the phone. You know, and uh, I told him that Martinez and I had run the gamut one time of being on a reality show, and. Uh, they had us do some unique stuff, but when it got down to nut cutting time, they throw out, they throw me a contract, and this contract is a seven-year contract that you're not guaranteed to even be on a show, but what you're guaranteed of getting is they own everything that you write, every picture that you take. Anything that you do, they got this all in their possession. So you're guaranteed to get the shaft on this deal. And I I think that reality shows are so common. I mean, if you think about it, the first one was like Survivor or or uh, no, MTV stuff, yeah. right? Road rules from yeah, MTV. You, yeah, you had some MTV stuff come out. But I'm going to say that 90 percent of the tv shows are some form of reality show i mean you got reality shows and documentaries and sitcoms and then fake news yeah <laughs> lots of that <laughs> what, what was the deal that we called what was the deal that we did they, they call it a sizzle yeah we ran through the sizzle phase and the sizzle phase <laughs> is is first they come out and check you out and check your environment and do some little bit of filming a little bit of pictures um you're not really playing anything they're just seeing who you are. And that's what Chuck said. They come out and they s- met Chuck. And then after that, if they think there's some value in it, well, then they bring a film crew out. And now they're telling you, hey, I like what you said, but can you say it like this? Can you add a little and, twang And to stand it? over here and do it. And look up in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at anybody, but just look up in the sky. And, you know, we're it. playing the games with them, right? It's no big deal. We're playing it. But it got down to the point where I said, here's, here's how I look at it. I live in this community. I'm going to continue to live in this community, and I know how our community is. We're hardworking people. My buddies that I brought you into, they all work for a living. They, they don't need this shit here. And if you try to portray us as some sort of barefoot, backwoods, hillbilly deal, I'm out. I, I don't need this shit. I got a good job. And I got good friends, good family. And, oh, no, we won't do that to you. 
but what I need you to do is sign this paper here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of like a timeshare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Just like Branson timeshare. Yeah. So I carry that paper off to somebody that I knew was kind of in the industry, and he said, Wilson, how bad do you want this deal? I said, I don't want it really at all. He says, well, don't sign that paper. He said, that's a bad deal. Chuck, what did you do when they threw down that contract in front of you? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I really don't know how, how deep in the weeds I need to get with stuff like that on here, but yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I'll tell wise you, man, wise I, man. I, 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 I'll tell you what I, what I did do is I, the one thing that I can say about the production company that I'm working with is they don't really condone the fakery. You know, they, they, uh, they want us as natural and real as what we really truly are. And obviously, you know, it's, um, you know, you got to do what you got to do to make good stuff. And, and, but at the same time, I, you know, that was, that was from the get go. I was very adamant about the fact that like, we ain't going to be no circus show. You know, this is mm-hmm. going to be real deal. Holyfield. I'm going to take you, I'm going to take you down to the bottoms where we really are. We're going to do the same things we always do. We're going to talk how we talk. We're going to act how we act. And that that's what you're going to get. And I'm not going to paint no other picture, you know? And, and that was, and literally the director looked at me and said, perfect. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, so, so I can say, you know, to, 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 to their credit, like every, the guys that I've met so far that are a part of it, I'm going to tell you, there's not a lot of that fluff. Now I ain't met all of them, but the guys that I've met personally, and I've been around and had the privilege of working with, it's real deal stuff, man. And they, uh, they're, they're, they really are the, the characters that you that you see on the show that's what I mean, I, that's all that's what i said i think that's important for for <laughs> our mean, listeners hey. to know is because so many times we feel like we're just getting some bullshit story hey, on yeah they can't come up with a better character that, you know, than that hillbilly whole... rapper that's cooking moonshine <laughs> yeah. but you know even in, in yeah. our deal hey, you know, hey. go ahead chuck go ahead go ahead chuck and, and what well, you know and just to, to, to that right there alone is is like to me to hear it is like yeah that is pretty interesting right but to mm-hmm. me that was just like com- conveniently who i am you know what i mean so it was like i was like oh so you're this guy and you do that yeah i really do like that's what i really do and and, and they're like well that's interesting so I, I i get that i'm probably gonna have to deal with people thinking that it's a put on or whatever and i'm trying to further advance music or whatever the, whatever the case may be but here's the thing about music i have no aspirations in being a musician i make music because i enjoy making music and i like telling those stories and i like really to be honest with you i like making music that i like riding around bumping and listening to you know i like when i hear people talking about the stuff that i know to be country stuff like the real that's the way i grew up that that, that just fires me up the same yeah. way that that hank jr used to fire me up you know and and because he said stuff that resonated with me so that's just why i make music but i have no aspirations of doing that stuff i don't want to do shows now if they pay me good yeah i'll do whatever right i, I think anybody would but mm-hmm. at, at the same time like that's not my goal my goal was with this was just and, and i'm not trying to just sound you know like like some kind of you know forward thinker dude with with all this but but my goal is is like it's really cool to do the art there, there there's moments that we've been able to film where i'm able to capture a moment in my in my family history and be able to put it in in this art form that'll be forever 
available to people to look at and to me that's that's pretty cool man to, to be able to to just be like man you know I, I never knew that i'd be able to tell that story about my grandpa or whatever you know and, and millions of people will get the opportunity to hear it and look at it and people that come up under underneath me and, and you know and all that so so artistically that's what it's about for me i i really have accepted my my calling on this earth is, is to be a creator and, a, and an artist and, and and it's i wouldn't i didn't make myself be that way it's just how god made me you know and that's just what i do i got a i got a vision about me and i can and I, and I have a way of being able to put things in words and do things and and so this stuff is just an extension of all that you know it's like I'm able to show people the culture of where we're from and how we exist down here and, and let them see this stuff. Cause like I said, to me, to y'all, even this is normal everyday stuff. You know, we, we get up, we live this same kind of lifestyle. We hunt, we fish, we gather. And, 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 and that's to, to us is normal, but to, to some people in New York and stuff like that, it's the most fascinating thing they ever saw, you know? So exactly. It's, it's cool you know it's cool to be able to put it out there i guess is what i'm saying you but it's just introducing what you your way of life to somebody like you you just mentioned somebody in new york that's a whole different deal people in new york don't even own cars they don't know they don't they don't have a picture. they're not real people yeah i'm not saying they're not real people but they don't even own vehicles to where they go Get their truck and just drive through the back roads. Yeah. They don't even know what that is. Well, man, you know we don't we don't we don't really you know think about things. You know when you're living every day and you're seeing well, just like up there where you are at, it's beautiful up there, right? And, and everywhere you look, you see beauty. And and we don't value that if you see it every day. But for somebody that don't get to see nothing but buildings and people, and they get to come down here in nature and just walk down a creek bed, that that that's the most fascinating thing they probably ever do in life. You know, and and, and we do it every day, so. I think that it's important because I think I think America will always have a fascination to the way things used to be. Absolutely. You know, it's uh, it's it's the fact that, you know, it's it's pioneer stuff to run liquor. It, it is. And it's how people survived. And, and it's and it serves so many purposes other than just getting drunk off of it, you know, but it obviously it's 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 got the reputation it's gotten it, it, it is what it is but at the same time it's just a little piece of history it's back to that pioneer man you know way of being big chuck let right. me put you in a scenario this is for all you guys uh-huh. okay let's pretend big chuck is on this palomino horse mm. okay and big chuck is an outlaw we're talking as martinez would say circus <laughs> 1880. You going 1880? I'm going 1880. Okay, we're going circus. Big Chuck's on a Palomino horse. Outlaws didn't ride a Palomino. Well, Big Chuck did because he's flashy. (laughs) So Big Chuck is on a Palomino horse. It's 1880. And he's riding through Kansas. Rapping. Home, home, home of sunshine, sunflowers, and what? Sons of bitches. And sons of bitches. And the fat girls. And the occasional fat girl. (laughs) And so Big Chuck, y'all remember Big Chuck's riding this Palomino. And he's galloping. 
and he's dusty. Short loping. Yeah, Short a, loping. Blazing bootleggers. It's a draft horse. He's got them Mexican spurs on with the Deep big seat and the far away <laughs> look. God big, damn. giant rowls on these spurs. Aaron, are you following this story? Uh, I just was wondering if I was the only one that was turned on. <laughs> this, <laughs> this show is called Cooking Up on. a Story, boys. I'm cooking up one, and it's got a reason here. So... You're giving me album cover. <laughs> Just like Molly Hatchet. So I don't know, but for some reason I've got Big Chuck. He's got these chaps on, and they've got kind of big flare coming out of them. Got the chingadares on got them. The, yeah, boy, the chingadares. <laughs> Double chingadares. Riding on there. And now he gets into this town, and it's a small town. There's just one road, and there's saloons on either side. You got your mercantile over there. You got that one high, high building that says motel. You got the motel on it. And now Chuck comes in, and boys, you don't know how long it's taken Chuck to ride from South Arkansas long damn all time. the way up to Dodge City. Oh, gosh. <laughs> We're going to call it Dodge now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he gets in there, and he goes up, ties up that pony. And White Earp says, you're going to have to leave your gun somewhere. <laughs> he, he eases on through those swinging doors. Everybody's looking, and they say, shit. That's Big Chuck, C H U K. He eases yeah. up to the bar. Now you've been riding this horse, best I could figure. You're on about seven weeks. It's taken <laughs> you to get to where you're at. Do you really want a shot of damn whiskey at this point, or is there, or or would like a root beer like or a, a ginger ale, or maybe cucumber water? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no ice. <laughs> Do you think, would you, I mean, Chuck, do you know how parched you are? You've been riding that Palomino horse. Is is this whiskey going to be the refreshment that you're going to want to sip on after all that time? Please tell me, Chuck. I don't think it was about refreshment. I think it was about getting drunk quick. Yeah, if if it's whiskey, it's just for show. It's just for conversation. I'm damn right. So so, what do you order, Chuck? You're in Dodge City and you're all dressed up. So, matter of fact, you ain't got no shirt on. Eighteen in the 1880s, 1800s. <laughs> you ain't got no shirt on. What did you order when you stepped up? There? Y'all got some sweet tea with lemon on you? <laughs> I'd like an Arnold Palmer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the the more where, where's the horse at? So where's the horse at? So the reason I took us down this road is is moonshine whiskey most likely isn't going to be while you're out mowing the lawn, driving around there. You ain't got you a mason jar of whiskey. That isn't that isn't the the thing that's made moonshine what it is. First, that what makes moonshine what it is is the outlaw side of it. You've got to know somebody Absolutely. that knows somebody in order to obtain that it. might know somebody. Yeah, and then you got this oh Man. shit, I've got moonshine. What were you saying, Chuck? Well, you got you know in in the moonshine industry, you got to be a salesman, and that you know that's where it all starts from. Is you got to be a salesman. You got to be able to convince somebody to pay you more for something that they can go right over to the liquor store and get. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The same price or cheaper, and, uh, and you got to be able to. So you know, you start off with with the whole allure of it all. You know, and I, uh, you know, I, I tell you how I kind of hit the scene with it was I, I went out and made a song called Moonshine. 
and uh i went and this is during the cd phase and i went and burnt two or three hundred copies of that and i went up and down every street where i was at in garden and i handed out that cd to everybody i said man listen to this song listen to this song i had a pretty good reputation for music so people listened to my music at that time and i handed out those cds to every individual person and i waited about two or three days and I and I went to the, I was at the car wash and I heard somebody riding by listening to it and I said it's time and I went up and I loaded up the back of my I had old old five Chevy at the time and uh, I loaded up the back of that sucker full of mason jars and I went right up and down all them same streets and I was like you, you like that song and it was like yeah I said well I got some moonshine here for sale and they was like oh man I gotta have it you know because it was a song nice. about it right hell yeah. And, and so, you, you know, it's the same, like all the marketing tactics, all the advertising, it's all the same as any big business, but you just got to do it with an entrepreneurial spirit and, and you got to have some, you know, some big cojones because at all times you got to understand that you're operating beyond the eye of the law. And, and it's just, you know, so you got to, you got that on you, but you got to also at the same time, you got to be able to market and sell and, and talk to people. And, and so if I would have been rolling up on any town, I'd have sat down and I'd have probably insulted their whiskey and offered them a better solution, you know. <laughs> so, so, so There's tell, a salesman coming out in here right there. So tell us about yeah, the yeah. So tell us about the lawn garden. How's that how's that well work? I mean, you know I mean, hey, you know, it's a it's a small town, small town values. We we during the time when I was I was running down there, I, I was respectful of, of those gentlemen and they were respectful of me. That's what we'll say on that. And you know, and they uh they they looked out for me and I looked out for them and, yeah. and, and, and I didn't ever I didn't ever I wasn't ever flashy, you know, it was by necessity, man. I wasn't out there trying to get rich. I was just trying to survive, man. It was hard down here and it a lot of money. You just had to do what you had to do to make it, you know, and I had I had mouths to feed and that's how I did it. Chuck, do you think that they would have they would have tried to bust you if you were riding a Palomino horse? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They might have said that. He's crazy. <laughs> yeah. All right. They say, no, leave that crazy bastard alone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when we, watch a, when we watch any television show about moonshine or we watch a Big Chuck music video, when a guy gets the mason jar, and I've been watching, I've been feeding old Derek over here some, some good shine. When they grab that mason jar, the first thing they're going to do to prove that you're qualified to drink this moonshine is you're going to shake the shit out of that jar. Now, whenever yeah. you shake yeah, the shit out, a... of, when you shake, what what are we doing when we're shaking this jar? What are we looking for here? Bubbles. Well, you, you look for you know the bubbles. Yeah, the bubbles. Uh, I, I'll tell you the way I do it, and it's uh, I count to ten in in one thousands, like one one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand. And when you get to ten, if the bubbles are just in subsiding, that's usually where you're about a hundred proof. Then, and you can you. usually measure it by those seconds. So if you measure it by the seconds, the, the the quicker obviously is the higher proof, and the longer is the lower proof. And 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 then, and when it gets too low, you just can't even really tell. It'll just foam up on you and kind of stay there. But it's a uh, yeah. So you know, hundred proof's kind of the sweet spot when it comes to liquor and. Uh, so that's what you do. You just one one thousand, two one thousand. Other people do it other ways, but I, that's how I do it. So I'm when you shake this on. jar, we're wanting for for a hundred proof. We're wanting ten seconds of bubbles. Pretty much. I mean, there. And then you you're also looking at it. You kind of after time, you just know. But but you're looking at big frog eyed bubbles. You know, you want the bigger the bubble. That 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 tells you a little bit about it. And uh, and and. And usually, like a lot of people shake the shit out of it, you really just want to hit a one big shake on it, just a, just a dash, you know, just kind of 
grab it on the top and the bottom and just hit it once and then just one one thousand two one thousand three one thousand all the way to ten and if it right when i say ten they should be subsiding where they disappear and that's that's how i know i'm in a hundred say this clear jar we got here is counting down to four alligators on this deal what are we drinking right now you probably on some big 170, 180 proof. You damn right. right. Hot. And, and, and that's what I, exactly yeah. what I said. It smells hot, but it's not hot. That's when the bubbles are And you are guys gone. know what I mean when it's hot. So the longer the bubbles last, the to lower me, the when proof? I say, when, they say, when I say something's hot, it just burns your mouth. Yeah. Well, burns. that has to do with your heads, hearts, or tails. Right. The, the burn has to do yeah. with the, yeah. the quality of the uh, moonshine coming out of the parrot. Um you can mm. have some high high octane moonshine that is smooth as glass. So what do you down. think that is, Derek? That's pretty good moonshine. I mean, it's it ta- it smells hot. It's got a from, little. And this well, is a guy that I, can't smell. A buddy of mine told me, and Chuck, tell me if this is wrong, that what you're really looking for is that feeling of a sweater on the inside. Mm. It's like a nice, warm, <laughs> cozy, not a burn. Not I ain't hot. never had a sweater on the inside. Well, so take a horn you? off that, yeah. baby. <laughs> have you even tried that yet? Yeah, I've tried that. That's a sweater How do you know on there wasn't full of jars? So. <laughs> I thought you was drinking Coke Cola. I'm coming off of an illness. Yeah. I, <laughs> so ideally, yeah, yeah. You, want your, you, you want your swallow to be, you don't want it to just hit your taste buds and set them on fire that's why high proof liquor is really not and that's what that good is. to sip on it's smooth no. drinking yeah, yeah. And, and but it smells hot and you put it in your mouth it should you know and then it shouldn't really burn to to about the time you swallow about a couple inches past that you'll feel that little warmth and then that you'll feel that warm as it just kind of courses down through your intestines back, <laughs> hey, back here on the goozler back here on the goozler hey, yeah yeah chuck some of the uh some of the advice that i've given people for drinking moonshine is don't smell it. I'm the same way. I can't smell. Same goes for tequila. I don't smell. I can't smell, so I don't waste any time. Yeah, don't take that inhale as you take a sip. Like you just want to sip with no, no inhale. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. And if you're ever gonna smell a jar of liquor, you always crack the lid and let it breathe a little bit. That alcohol, that just that first big waft that you're gonna get is gonna be that high concentrated alcohol smell coming off of it. So it's gonna kind of whop you in the face so if you're ever going to smell it let it breathe a little bit breathe and then kind of come into it with your nose you know what i mean yeah Yeah. and uh and you come in with it come in with your nose don't go directly on top of it with both nose some people i I like to use my right nostril and kind of come in from the from the the left to the right of the jar and then I, i let it i let it i can start tasting it you get different flavors you know you you kind of look crazy over twisting your head and smelling it all different which ways but I'll tell you another good way to, to test the liquor if, if you guys had none. It. It's all about the smell. You can tell your heads to your tails, your hearts, all from your nose. But the way I like to do it when I'm running is I'll let it rub run on my hands, and I'll rub it in, and I'll I'll kind of shake my hands and let that alcohol evaporate. And then all that's left is your flavor, you know, portion of it. So mm-hmm. you can really get a true test. So if you take just a little bit of that liquor you got over there and just let it kind of hit your hands and rub it, let it breathe a little bit, and then smell it. Then you get your essence of your grain. You can kind of really smell the character in it, you know. Son of a gun. He's sanitizing like crazy over here, man. This so much going to go to jail tonight. <laughs> no, really. I haven't been drinking. I just rubbed around on oh, my man. hands. He's right on the money. He's I'm right. not, I've not yeah. been drinking. I just rubbed around on my hands. 
Yeah, I swear. All right. I swear. Yeah, so he's on the money. Yeah, he's that's, exactly right. Derek just did your procedure, and he thinks that you're... You can really smell that that uh, that mash. You can smell what's in there. When when the alcohol evaporates, like you said, you get everything else. Yeah, yeah. That's So, I mean, you, you want to... Throughout the course of running liquor, you know, when it first starts off, you know, there's, there's this big, uh, you know, folklore about the methane, you know, that comes out and how to make you go blind. That was just to clear that up. You know, that was kind of one of those government conspiracies they were putting out there because it was running so rapid, you know, so they were, but to the, the level of methane that you're getting out of there ain't enough to kill you. It might make you not feel so well, but it ain't going to do nothing to you, you know, but we always, you know, depending on the size of the pot and how much you're, you're about to batch off, you know, you want to, if you're, you want to throw away a good little measure of it and just to get rid of that nasty yucky plate you know and then then the first portion of it's going to have a it's going to have kind of a like a what do you call that a acetone kind of smell to it when it first starts running it's going it's going to be some, polish some some higher yeah it's going to have that kind of smell to it so you'll kind of smell that so you're constantly rubbing that on your hands letting it breathe and smelling it. you when you smell that that, that acetone kind of smell, then you're like, okay, we're still in the heads. You, you know, you'll capture those heads after a certain point because they start transitioning. And when you blend them down with your with, with some of your tails, then they kind of neutralize and, and meet in the middle. But you'll know when you get to your hearts because it's going to just start smelling like just straight grain, like that mash, what you're smelling on your hands. And you're going to start smelling that character coming out. And that's whenever you got the prime stuff that's, that's kind of like the, the back strap of, of the of the, you know what i mean that's that's, yeah. that's good so, stuff so chuck are you when you get your batch and you've got your product you're cutting it down to that hundred proof before you're sending it out correct yes sir okay yes, so sir. are you using you the wanna... same water source for that as you are for your mash sometimes yes sir yeah absolutely so so that that that's very important but you know a lot of times you know you can you can proof it down with the tails so you know mm -hmm. the the tails of it is going to come through it's going to it'll start getting cloudy on you after a certain point with the tails and that's when you usually shut her down but when it gets down there close to that and it's it's a fine balance you're going to get some real they got all different names they call them back ends or whatever but i you know, I, I get that, and you can add that into your liquor, and it'll proof it down, and it adds a, a jolt of flavor into it to kind of bring in that, you know, that, that what's left of the mash, and, and, and it just adds a, a unique kind of little sour kind of flavor to it, and it and it proofs it down naturally. And, and I found that when you do it like that versus with water, you get a just a cleaner product that, that way. You know, it's just you ain't introducing nothing to it but the liquor, so... So I do it different ways, just to kind of depending on what kind of run and 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 what I'm you know what I'm trying to do with it. And if you want to stretch it out a little bit more, obviously sometimes even when you do that, you can't proof it down no lower than 120 or something. So you'd right. have to add some some spring water. But yeah, you definitely whatever the water, you know that flavor of the water. I I argue with people a lot, and you know as being a moonshiner, you obviously know the difference in water. But some people are like water's water. I'm like no, mm -mm. different water tastes different, you know, and and. And if you got some good water, like like you're talking about that hot springs water, that's obviously delicious water, you know. So if you can tell the difference. So if you want to mix something with it, you ain't gonna you ain't gonna put no nasty water in a in, in you know or into a into a batch, you know. You're gonna make it. You're gonna put some good stuff back in it. So yeah, you want to proof it quality, down and yeah. get it down. So is, yeah. mo is, mo is, is most of your water spring water, I guess. 
Absolutely. Yes, sir. We got different. We got artesian wells that we pull from. We got limestone uh, natural wells we pull from. So right off the ruby do. You know what the ruby do is? (laughs) Nope. Nope. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm right by myself with the Ruby No, Dude. the Ruby Dude is one of the largest underground aquifers. Yeah, okay. Uh, okay. So, Chuck, let me ask you this. Is there any advantage to distilling your moonshine twice? Yeah. Yeah, it cleans it up real pretty and nice and makes it, balances it out and gives it a lot smoother taste. So, if you're running a copper unit, you know, that, that copper's grabbing little things out of that liquor while it's running it's it's cleaning it up i think they call it sulfites or something i'm not a like a, a tech nerd with all this stuff but yeah you know but i it, it grabs these little things out of the liquor as it's going through that copper and it's cleaning it as it's running so if it's running and say you are running a thumper you know it's it's running through them lines and it's going in that thumper it's washing it there and it's coming out of that thumper so if you turn around and take all your distillate that you ran and pour that back into your pot and run it again it's just gonna it's gonna it's gonna proof it up and it's gonna clean it up so when you proof it down it's gonna be more pure and clean but me personally just me personally i like that first i like when you run corn liquor right out the rip and don't double double distill it if you run it low and slow and you you take your time with it and you got got a good mash bill and and you and you ran it you know did everything you're supposed to do Usually that liquor comes out and it carries over all that sweet from the corn and most importantly the nose. I'm a big, I like my nose on my liquor to be great. That I don't want no pure vodka type stuff. You know, I want something when you smell it, you're like, oh my god, that that that, that smells like cornbread or something. You know, that's like cheesecake. That's, that's what yeah. you're trying. To get. So exactly. Uh, so so what are your thoughts about filtering it? Have you ever cold filtered any or? Yeah. You, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, man. You if you wanna if you wanna do it right, you definitely you rig up these filter systems. Yeah. I mean, if you if you guys tune in this season, you'll see a couple of cool little ideas we come up with. But you know, yeah, I always filter mine out. I, I kind of look at it in the sense of a, uh, you know, you look at a Brita filter, whatever kind of water filters that are out there, how they usually do it. They usually do carbon. They'll do some clay, yeah. or they'll do some. Uh, some kind of something that'll catch all the solids and Charcoal. sand or something. And then, yeah. And, yeah. And so it'll I, go through those layers so you can just recreate that on a bigger scale. You know, obviously you can make a pretty cool filter. So what are your thoughts about the taste on that? I mean, it shouldn't change any of the taste, should it? No, if sometimes it'll pull a little bit of that, that, that flavor that maybe you want, but then sometimes it'll pull out some of that stuff you don't want too. Right. So sometimes, you know, they'll have a little funk nose on them that, that you just can't running liquor is an interesting thing, man. You can run the same exact mash bill. Yeah. There's a lot yeah, of, at the lot same of temperature, same thing. And it'll come out tasting completely different than it did the time before. So it, it's a, it's a different, it's all it's i believe like i'm a firm believer in in the yeast as as a big component then you've got your airborne yeast your natural yeast that kind of comes in there and and plays a part in it i've i've to to paint that picture i've i've mashed in in environments where it was was just cleaner air you know and it was it was in nature and it was just a low humidity point kind of thing and that liquor just came out to be some of the most delicious liquor because i opened you know, I just ran it open where it, where it was just exposed to, to the air and, you know, it, it just added its own little twist to it. And it, it, whatever, however that chemistry works, you know, it just did something to make it unique and have a whole new flavor profile. And I've tried to recreate that in several, in, you know, 
places I, I kind of stick to the same mash bill and it it just sometimes it just tastes different and there's really no rhyme or reason to it you just when you hit a good one you just got to know you got a good one and then you keep one that, and, and when i say good versus bad i don't mean none of it's bad it's bad. just, just to me you know kind of like pussy yeah <laughs> sounds better right? yeah there you go yeah there you go and, so, and, and if you're and if you're a craft you know you, you you know how it is. If you're a craftsman at anything, you, you, you see all the imperfections in it before you see the perfection. Exactly. Does the heat source matter? Whether it's I mean, yeah, you know, it, it depends on, on, on how you want to run it. But hot, so, so you know, you talked about hot liquor, right? So hot liquor is usually a result of running it hot and fast. And that, the, you know, it's best described as the fight, fighting kind and the loving kind, you know, and that. I, I tend to, I tell everybody, like, I, I make love to my steel when we run it. You know what I mean? I let it run low, slow. That's I some interesting reality TV so right are there. Are you off, are you off gas? <laughs> is it primarily gas or is it open fire? Uh, yeah, propane. Yeah, propane. propane. And, and, you know, when you're running, when you're running big volumes, you you, you know, you can't run. It's it, This is where it gets risky. You know, you can't run regulators because they'll freeze up on you. You run it so you're running wide open and you're mm. controlling basically your flame with just your knob on your propane tank right. and you're obviously running you know two or three hundred mm -hmm. gallons of propane tanks by the time it's all said and done and, and it's uh, i've got a jet burner that can boil 15 gallons of water in five minutes you know what i mean Holy it's 350,000 uh btu i've got a we build them, you know, we build them all different ways. Uh, you know, definitely it's, you want to, you want to disperse that heat as much as you can or, or just put a, a flame on it. But if going back to talking about double running it, you know, if you're doing a, what they call a strip and run and you're going to run it again, you can really run it as fast and as hard as you want to, as long as you don't make it puke and run it too hot. But you want to get it out just so you can get all the distillate out. Cause then, and on that next run, you're going to slow it down and run it, you know, right. at a slow, comfortable speed. But if you take your time when you make that initial run and you run it and let it heat up gradually and that and I'm telling you it's a game of patience like everybody wants to be a moonshine until it's time to run moonshine it's a you, you sit out there 14 15 hours to run a batch of liquor you know what oh, I mean wow. and, and sometimes sometimes you know you never know like I, I went out uh, one time and, and and we we mashed in a bunch and we was fixing to make a big old run and and got out there and uh and it just would not run that no matter what happened it would just spit me a little bit of liquor and i couldn't understand for the life of me the 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 mash had worked off the steel was running i, I couldn't and, but we sat out there 14 hours and ended up collecting a gallon of just drinkable liquor <laughs> you know what i mean and, and you're like you know, 14 hours of my time for a gallon of liquor, it don't really balance out, you know. Right. We're not making any yeah. money there. So what was it, just the temperature yeah. or humidity or what? I don't, I, you know, again, it's one of them freak things. Things that I can't even explain and know how, you know, it just, it has a mind of its own sometimes. And, and, and then, you know, you got other things, you know, I've, I've, I've ran mash and it just won't work out, won't work, won't work off for you. You know, and it just, no matter what you do, you do everything exactly like you did the time before. And it just, some little variable come in there and makes it go to sleep because yeast is finicky, you know, it's temperature driven. So it's, it likes to be about 85 degrees to, to, to eat and do its thing. And if it, it'll get sleepy on you, if it goes less, if it gets too hot, it'll, it won't work, you know, and then, and then you got a battle time of, it'll turn your mash into vinegar once it gets hot so it's 
when you're out in the woods, you know, and you're and you're you're and especially in Arkansas, and I know y'all can understand this. That, hell, you might be winter winter one day and summer the next, you know, and it, and that fluctuation ain't good for it either. It likes a stable environment, you know, when it's working, and and so it, it's a lot of stuff to kind of variables you got to work around, and, and and just environmental things you can't really control. You know, and the good thing about that is you got people that like different flavors of it. I mean, I've, I've yeah back in my day I used to help some people out and some people liked boy liked the hot I mean mm-hmm. they just like their dad and granddad they wanted it hot a little bit of pain and I mean yeah yeah seriously <laughs> yeah. Let and, know and really I would and I would it. I would come up with some good shit and a lot of people would like it but the old timers oh hell I yeah I like it hot. Does production slow down yeah. during deer season? <laughs> no, it ramps right up. No, that that's the that's the money season right you bet. there. Right, right now, everybody right gets now. Yeah, yeah, right now they they want that apple pie, boy. They want yeah, you, you know they want you. those. I didn't know if making those, it those campfire papers. I'd I'd like to personally talk about something that I find important. Chuck, let's talk about barbecue. Yeah, he's. I love it. I it. You, I've seen. I watched some of your videos today, and you you guys got some good food going on over there. I think you know. First of all, Chuck's a man of my own heart. He's he's cooking squirrels. He's mm-hmm. he's into them tree rats. And then, yes, sir. As you start following Chuck on his social media, you'll see that he he's not only fair at making this moonshine, but he also knows a thing or two about making good grocery. Mm-hmm. And uh, how could you put the moonshine cooking and the cooking of a good meal? It's basically the same deal, right? It's the heart and the passion that you're putting you into go. that food. And so, you're exactly right. What 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 goes hand in hand? You know, if you got, if I told you, you know, you got twelve to fourteen hours to kill to run a batch of liquor. What what else takes twelve to fourteen hours to do? You know, smoke a big old hunk of beef. That's right. <laughs> and, and so so you know, you got to do something to kind of kill time, and you got to eat. You know, so it's a that's where that that fascination with with food, and then obviously that's where it all. You know, you know as well as I do. You know, it's. You can, my daddy, you know, if it didn't matter what kind of meat it was, as long as it was fried and served with potatoes, that's what we ate that <laughs> night, you know what I mean? And that was, uh, I wanted to, I, you know, I got in, interested in trying to do different stuff with, with wild game and to make it a little bit more interesting because, hell, when you eat that your entire life, you know, you, you, you like, man, I, what if we did this with deer meat instead? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and, it, and it was, uh, it's a foreign concept to most people, you know, because they're like, oh, backstrap, you only fry it. That's it. You know what I mean? You don't do nothing to it but fry it. And and, and I'm like, well, no, what if we, you know, rubbed it down and put it on this smoker? And, and then, you know, so I, I had to I had to get get the buy-in from my, my little old crew down here and my family on, on smoking this wild game and doing all these different things. But, but now I, I usually get a call every Sunday because that's usually when I throw down and they'll They'll make sure they'll say what's on the menu today, you know, because I like to cook enough for an army. So when we're spicing up our barbecue, what kind of spices are we running on that barbecue, Chuck? Well, that's funny you ask. We're currently trying to conjure up exactly how that would look in a retail space. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so, but I'll tell you like this. I wouldn't be a moonshiner if I didn't put a little moonshine essence into what I'm putting on my food, right? So obviously – 
I've always done this. I will take the tails of my moonshine, that cloudy moonshine that I referenced, what I don't use in thumpers and things of that nature, and I'll use that and make marinade with it because everybody, you know, uses wine and stuff like that. Well, you know what the wine, what what the component in the wine that's working for you in a marinade is the alcohol. Mm-hmm. So I'll do the same thing. You know, I, I'm, I like apples and, and apple pie and all that. So if you take a good jar of some blended apple pie liquor and, and, and soak some backstrap in it, I'm telling you right now, son, you finna you finna get a whole new new flavor profile to that deer meat. I believe it. See, no, you, I've never thought about that. Got well, me hungry. Apple pie infused backstrap. You, you guys may find this hard to believe, but me and Chuck's been talking about food a little bit mm-hmm. in some, some some early mornings, and uh, we're working with one of our sponsors, Towns and Spice, mm-hmm. on building up. What, what what are these three phases of the shine? head heart so uh you know like when you're when you're running liquor you got heads you got hearts you you got tails right heads comes at the beginning hearts is in the middle and that's the that's the creme de la creme of the flavor and then the tails are you know they're that they're that little sweet touch that you that you can add back to it to make it to bring all that flavor from the mash back in it so if you think about that in the same theory of barbecuing right a big piece of meat you you rub it down with your heads first right that's going to bring that that hotter that spicier you know flavor to the front right and that more rich flavor and then, and then halfway through the run when you traditionally take your meat and wrap it in your foil and all that well you need something with some savory notes in it right something that brings that pure form of that flavor so you got a seasoning for that that's going to be the heart so you're going to put that on there and then finally when you get done and you're ready to do your traditional glazing or whatever your final stage your resting or whatever i wanted something that brought that sweet flavor to kind of connect with that 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 first of the spice and bring it all together and have a three-phase seasoning system on any any big piece of meat or whatever small piece of meat. Shit, Chuck, I heard it's good on broccoli. You can put that on broccoli, can't I'm you? Think, <laughs> I think Derek's got a chip yeah. over here. God dang, I tell you what, I'm yeah. starving. You are, mm. you've sold me, Chuck. I'm sign me up to whatever uh, club I need to be. Taste testers. I, yeah. I tell you what. Hey, I'm gonna tell you, man. When you're doing anything soul food cooking wise, right? It's it. I don't know about y'all, but like we didn't ever follow no script when we cooked. We did it with just feeling and tasting and testing it out and all that. So I season throughout the cook of anything because I want to sink that flavor into it. I don't want it to ever have a flavorless bite in any piece of meat I cook. And so if I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just keep putting that flavor to it. But it's all about balance, right? Just like with liquor, right? You can't put too much heads back into your full buckets. You know, when you put your all your liquor together put too much heads in there it's gonna have too much head flavor you know so you got it's a fine balance of all those three things the heads hearts and the tails to give you that full body of flavor that you need and and, and that's the concept we came up with and, and 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 yeah joe hooked me up with these guys and they've been nothing but professionals and prompt and and we're we're at the final stages of development and this will soon hopefully be ready for retail and and hopefully we'll be three phasing a lot of barbecue out here right yeah. right a long time with uh, the show coming out, that ought to be well. And, and not only that, you can't go wrong with heads, boys. <laughs> not only that, but I, I'm going to tell you when yeah. ch- when no. Chuck stuff comes out, I'm, I'm going to get you guys all a little pack of this. And what you need to do is, as you're cooking this food, what I want you to think about is Big Chuck riding a Palomino in <laughs> 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 the 1800s. Hey, so, Chuck, so Chuck, when are you going to be close with to no shirt on? <laughs> 
When are you going? You leave? might have just designed the seasoning bottle, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I might have. To... So when are you going to be close to Northwest uh, Arkansas? Hey man, I'm. Uh, I'll be probably this. Well, this weekend's opening. That weekend rifle season, boy, and I. I'm and I'm in, and I'm I in Missouri, a, but. Yeah, there's uh there's some you know I got I'm fully dedicated this weekend to that, and then the next weekend I'm gonna be back on on the set, and I'll be in the Mina area uh, a little bit. Um, I'm gonna try to get me a bear and. And then, uh, yeah, I'll, man, you just got to tell me when, and I'll come up here. I'll make time for you. Just, saying, you I'm just going to just gonna throw I'm... this out there, and it's 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 really handy because it's right in the middle of the week. I do whiskey Wednesday mm-hmm. at my house. Okay. And, any and not just any Wednesday, but every Wednesday we have whiskey Wednesday at my house. If you're ever close, come on by. Uh, I'll have whatever you need. He's, it's pretty convenient. He's got a place you could tie that horse right out front. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Well, hey, I, I'll take you up on that offer, and you ain't got to worry about providing no whiskey. How about that? I'll make a deal. Oh, with I'll you. have whiskey. <laughs> oh, you're going to have a big crowd that night, I guarantee it. You, uh, yeah. So we believe that the this new series of Moonshiners is going to be out sometime in probably the next 30 days or so, huh? And I hope they, you know, they don't really tell you a whole lot. It's a strange, nothing like what I imagined all this stuff being. So I'm, I'm, I'm desperately wanting to know the date. So hell y'all help me keep up with it. Cause I keep asking, they keep giving me vague answers, but I do know. Yes. I, I, I haven't had an official announcement or anything. As far as I know, we should be seeing a show soon. Um, and, and by God, they better. Hell, that's all I'm telling you. Much shit as that I've been through. <laughs> But I'm going to tell you this, man, here's what you can you can look forward to with us. And I won't, you know, divulge any details for legality reasons, but I'll tell you this, man. You're worried you about legal shit stuff. all of a sudden? What just happened, Chuck? <laughs> you now I, worried I, I about legal. I choose Talk about the, mu- the, the industry. I battles. <laughs> Yeah, hey, them New Yorkers scared me, boy. They're a little bit more powerful than us down here in Arkansas. You know? <laughs> Until they get down here. But I, I'll tell you this, man. What you're gonna see is you're gonna see you're gonna see some culture that's gonna resonate with all you gentlemen, and you're gonna you're gonna probably be proud of what you see because we we didn't we didn't fake no funk, and we took them down here and we gave them a good old dose of what it's like to be in these bottoms down here in Arkansas, and. And they, they, they went on the ride of their life in several places. I took, took them some places they probably never thought they'd go. And I, 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 I'll tell you, I've been, I, I went on top of things. I went under things. I went through things. And we, we, we made something out of nothing. And, and, and you guys are going to get to witness firsthand us building this empire that we're building over here. And, it, and, it's, and it's, pretty, it's pretty cool, man. Absolutely. Well, I, I mean, I can, I can speak for myself. I'm not sure about how many other guys here, but. You know, I was born in De Queen, Arkansas. <laughs> Lived in Horatio, mm-hmm. and then we moved up to the big, oh, yeah. big metropolis of Maysville. But uh, mm-hmm. we got some Kansas boys. We got some California boys. South there, Dakota boys. South Dakota. Bill's from Arkansas. There's a couple of us from here from Arkansas. But hey, appreciate you. What whatever you do. I mean, you. I'm looking forward to it, man. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm definitely gonna check it out. Can't wait. What you got? I don't. I don't see no way why it can't be good shit, man. I'm telling you, like I and I ain't even the one. I'm like I just said earlier. I'm more critical than anybody when it comes to something I'm crafting. And and 
I, I ain't got to see none of it. I've just lived it and experienced it. But I can tell you right now, some of the craziest, coolest things have happened while them cameras were around us, which was a blessing. Um, I didn't anticipate things to go the way they were going to go, but they went certain ways. And I, and I think that if, uh, if given a chance and people get to see this, they're really going to enjoy it. And it's going to add some new flavor to the show that's already been on a long time. I, I really, you know, it's, it's been a good show. It's been, it's been a show that I've, I've watched off and on and, and ironically never had any aspirations to, to pursue that or anything. It just kind of fell in my lap, like I said. And, and, but as a result, like, I knew that based off watching it, based off just hearing what other people say and the and the, the comments that I've heard along the way, both negative and positive, I said, you know, one thing I ain't going to do is let nobody down. And I'm, I'm going to make sure that it's uh, it's something that I'll be proud of to watch and, and show people, you know. And, and I think that at this point, to who much give much is given much is expected and it's been it's it's not no easy task i'll tell you that it's it's some of the hardest stuff i've ever had to do on a day-to-day basis but it's it, i i just think it'll be worth it man to be able to leave behind something like that for for anybody and everybody to see and be like and also to to show people you know a different flavor and a different culture and and just just show us how how we do things our own little way down here chuck I really wish you were in house with us tonight. Absolutely, that would have been awesome. Yeah, man. Uh, maybe we'll run part two when you're in house. But uh, so we run through a series of questions here towards the end of the show, and uh, one of my questions is, what in your eyes makes a quality man? Man, I, I you know somebody that gets up every day and does everything in his willpower that he has to do to 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 make sure that everybody around him is well taken care of and provided for. You know, I, I've, there ain't no sick days, ain't no off days, ain't no way it hurt, my back hurts. I, you just got to keep keep on pushing, man, and just keep on taking care of the people you, you've committed to to take care of in this life, you know. Atta boy. Good answer. Atta boy. Well, you got red words. Okay, well, Chuck, <laughs> I mean, I'm just sitting here like a behind a pumpkin or something. I'm a little naive, but growing up and everything i didn't know everything like you guys learned it all yourself but i'm just wondering how in the heck do you get on all these shows and not get busted i mean are you going to vote for the side that doesn't want the eighty-seven thousand new revenuers hey boy i'm slicker now sperm boy i'm telling you right now slicker than sperm i'm telling you i've uh I, it's a, you know, you got to be one step ahead all the time. You always got to be thinking, man. And it's a, that, that, that part makes you weary sometimes, but you know, it's a, it's, it's something that I've done this, this, this long and I ain't, I ain't going to put no halt to it at this point. Well, I'm not going to cause you any, any bad luck, I hope, but I'm just telling you, I'm going to vote against those 87,000 new revenuers. So Bill said something earlier <laughs> that I did not know that the IRS was, well, started was, yeah to get the moonshiners because they weren't the paying taxes during prohibition and, and all that, and that makes sense because it but was they why they carry the a gun right yeah internal mm-hmm. revenue service yeah i did not know that well you got you know you had people you had people like if you paint that picture and think about like al capone one of the biggest distributors at that time bootlegger if you will yeah mr was kennedy worth over a hundred billion yeah, over a hundred million dollars in that time frame in the twenties. So equate that to what that'd be worth today, lot. and that's lot, that's lot, the lot, money. Lot, 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 yeah. So when I'm t- 
telling you that 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 it was a it was a you know they had to get on deck because they were losing out on tons of revenue so they they that was you know they were passionate about it and i could give it to them it's it's kind of the equivalent to you know the the meth you know things that we went through or this what this the fentanyl stuff like it's all hands on deck you know they 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 don't know obviously you know alcohol at that time you know it was humans are going to do what humans do and if they're destructive by nature they're going to be destructive if they get a substance in them right so you can't it's not necessarily the substance it's just human nature sometimes to take it to the next level and then obviously you know when you're dealing with these things nowadays that are hurting and harming people you know that's their focus point and so you know my my advice to people like that is go worry about that shit and leave us alone over here we ain't doing nothing hurt you know what i mean it's uh you you go spend them tax dollars worrying about that shit and hell i'll even help you on that on them efforts but what we're doing over here ain't, ain't it ain't nothing but man i've you know how many good times start with it opening up a basin jar you know how many oh, parties yeah. i went to all of them the, you know the greatest <laughs> night of their life i've oh, had yeah. people that met their old ladies drinking moonshine and married them you know what i mean i, I i've made i've and made same night. the next morning yeah. same <laughs> night i woke up heard yeah. i had three wives you remember that movie yeah. you yeah. remember that movie southern comfort you guys ever seen that uh-uh. It was about Southern, uh, Comfort. Southern Comfort. You guys, Powers Booth played in some Southern Comfort. So he was, it was like a, uh, God dang it. Uh, what do they call it? Not, or not regular Army, but Army National Guard. And they were doing maneuvers Reserves. down in Louisiana. And there were some Cajuns in the swamp that thought they were getting invaded. <laughs> and they, oh. man, they just fought them. They were killing these. Guys. Yeah, that ain't the one you want to up on. Yeah, so you there. need to watch that. That's a crazy, and that's yeah, the I, first thing that come in come to my mind. Said, and one of the one of the Cajun guys, he says, there was a a place in this movie. He says, where? God dang it! I'm drawing a blank. Think about too it. Mu- too much moonshine. <laughs> Think too much moonshine. But let, let me let me go to my question while we're here. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, so. I've got a couple of questions, but uh, first thing, you've mentioned a couple of people, and I want to know, who was your best friend growing up? Well, that was the fellow that passed away in that, that vehicle with me, a gentleman by the name of Patrick Stone. He, uh, We were peas in a pod, you know, growing up, and then, um, like I said, we, he, we had that wreck that day, and he passed away. And then ironically, you know, I had a, my other best friend probably was a gentleman by the name of Carl. He, he also passed away early departure. He, he was murdered. And, and so I've had a lot of, a lot of tragedy when it comes to putting that title on people. So I don't give that title out no more. I don't want to give nobody a death sentence. <laughs> Way to be. <laughs> so Hell, I don't even like yeah. it. So don't tell anybody I'm your, you're, I'm your best friend. So, uh, <laughs> and my, my next question is, uh, best childhood memory. Man, uh, there's a lot of them, you know. Um, I just one in particular that just kind of resonates. I just remember one time my daddy bought a brand new '85 Chevy, and I remember he come pulling up after he bought it brand new, you know. And I remember just the joy in everybody's eyes seeing that he'd able to do that because before we just rode in old. <clears throat> 
piece of crap, you know, that we rode around town. So when he pulled up with that thing, it, that was a big moment. I remember seeing the joy in my mom's face and then just knowing we had good, reliable transportation. You know, that was a pretty powerful moment in my childhood. And Hell yeah. And he, he went to drive that, he drove that damn 85. Yeah, I'm telling you, he drove that 85 all the way up to that summit. had about three motors put in it, too. <laughs> Hell yeah. What do you got, Derek? So, Chuck, I'm sure between your rap career, the TV show, and way more importantly, this podcast, there's going to be all kinds of doors opened up for you. If you get the oh. chance to make liquor legally, would you take it? You know, yeah, I think that'd be real fun, man, to be able to do it and not have to look over your shoulder all the time. That might be, you know, right up my alley. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, Arkansas is one of those states where it's, you know, everything, you know, they pay to play kind of state, and and and, and you know, I ain't quite there, but yeah, I, I, that'd be that'd be really something cool to happen. I, ideally, I think what would be the neatest thing is to be able to have your distillery in like a little tap room and. You know, and be able to, you know, showcase some of the old steels we've worked with and, and, and have some, some relics of the past in there and a, and a place where you could come have a drink of liquor and, and almost kind of serve as an old school bar or something, too. That, that, that'd be pretty cool to have and Derek, cook some good food and all Derek's bringing it up because he might be that guy. I, I, we need to talk after this. I'd podcast. be right in there with you. Derek might be that guy to, it, to, to help you on that deal. So, uh, I've got a series of really important questions to ask you. The first one is, if if me and Big Chuck fell into a big pile of Al Capone-style money, hmm. and I... Alamino horses for everybody. <laughs> and I call up Big Chuck, and I said, Dude, I just grabbed us some Al Capone-style money here. Where and what? Are we going to hunt anywhere in the world? Anything, Chuck. We could go. And I, we got Al Capone money. We could go anywhere and kill any critter. What are we going to kill? I don't know, but it'd probably be some old exotic, scary thing to go hunt. You know what I mean? I, I'd, some I'd old get in on a big lion. <laughs> yeah, something you, crazy. You, you think know? we're taking I, down a lion? Hey, I might do it. I that, that I mean, what what more manly thing could you do besides take down a, the king of the jungle himself? You know what I mean? I don't I'll know. Tell you what, last week's better. guest Drew said we would go to Australia and shoot a koala bear. <laughs> I remember that. Oh man, <laughs> yes he did. That's the Boy. sweetest bear ever. I don't want to we were That's going awful, to man. That's awful. We were going to <laughs> <a little> cheesecake <laughs> marinade. We were going to we were going to bait that koala bear in with some of that panty pulpery that smelled like eucalyptus leaves. Oh man! <laughs> take oh, that. Hello, man. <laughs> I know a guy in Florida where he killed a great big gator. Well, we that's manly shit right there. Uh, so yeah. So after I got alligator on my list. Oh, I, I know the guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a friend request on Facebook tomorrow, and I will send you some crazy prehistoric, <laughs> huge big tooth, crazy shit. Well, I'll tell you this: when I get back from Australia on that koala bear hunt, mm. and then we show back up to go kill the king of the jungle. 
that'll be that'll be fun but mentors in life i know he talked martinez talked about friends but a man don't get to where he is in life without having support of other men and uh yeah one thing that we hear from our guests is the value that they get out of listening to other men tell these stories such Mm -hmm. as yours and Yes. Right now, when people, they're going to start going on YouTube and they're going to see, first and foremost, they're probably going to see old fat Chuck, right? Yeah. 200, yeah. 200 pounds heavier. Uh, yes, sir. And he's breathing through his nostrils or his noses. Yeah. Different. <laughs> and, uh, and, oh, I quill, yeah. <laughs> and, and then they're going to go through and they're going to see all these different versions of big chuck and just like the different versions there's been different men that got you to that point now you you can control a lot mm-hmm. but there's inspirations who have, who are those people man i mean the most like the person that i have to give the most probably credit towards my my artistry side of it there is it's just a combination but like my dad was kind of a well-spoken storyteller and he's that's kind of his thing you know he told stories everywhere we went he was a drinking man uh he i say was because he's still alive he just don't drink no more um and but he, he he loved to you know drink a lot and tell a lot of stories about the past and and you know it, it, there was a time in my life when I was younger that, that that annoyed me you know what I mean because I would listen and I'd be like oh he's telling that same old story the same old story you know because he'd be drinking you know he wasn't keeping up with it but now that I'm an adult and and I'm drawing from those things if I didn't have that inventory of all these stories and all this like just that just that whole just fellowship of telling stories you know the art of it you know like just because telling the story ain't easy right you know you gotta it's gotta have a punchline. it's gotta have some meat to it it's gotta be interesting so that just developing the art of listening to him tell stories and he's good at it you know he'd make everybody laugh and have a good time and so that that really is where i probably would credit most of my you know ability to to see the appreciation in stories my mama, you know, and my grandfather on her side, they were, he painted and drew pictures and my mama draws and can draw these really beautiful pictures. And, and I can't draw to save my life, but that also was artistry, you know, and I, so all that, that artistry all kind of was cultivated at a young age with the music and the storytelling and the watching the mason jars and the, you know, so that, that whole foundation there is kind of what provided the, the, the infrastructure for what I've become. And then obviously along my journey, I've met some impactful people and people that have guided me in the right direction and the wrong direction. You know, I, I tell people, God bless the people that, that took advantage of me and, and, and had bad intentions with me because it made me wiser and it made me better. And it made me, you know, it developed the survival instincts in me that I that I would not have if I didn't go through a lot of stuff. So so my bad experiences are some of my greater motivators too. So and I've had that. I've had man, I've been I've been done every which way but right by a lot of people and especially in this music industry stuff. But again, I you know, as I as I become the man I am and and and, and as I keep trying to continue forging forward with this, I without without all that, I wouldn't have no grit to me. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be equipped for it because you got to have something in you, you know, to be able to make it in this this these waters here. They're different. 
man, I like that. Oh yeah. I tell you, I tell you what. When this is one of those books with that cover, that the artwork ain't all there. Mm. Yeah. And and so I'd like to, I'd like to inform my listeners, our listeners, I'd like to inform you that whenever you see our thumbnail for this and and you see Chuck you're gonna you're gonna stereotype Chuck right off the bat okay and you're gonna you're gonna judge this book like it's it's just some old backwoods hillbilly and uh, and one of our missions on this show is to show people the good that these common folks have and once again, the importance of struggle and, and, and everything that comes with it. Um, Chuck's that guy. He's got a lot of depth. He's got a lot of depth. He's got a lot of character. There's a lot in between those two ears. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the skill set that he's brought to, to perfect things. I know that he tried real hard to be as good as he could be as, as a country rapper. He's trying real hard he's got the skill set to make really good shine he's going to put all of it in there to be a good reality star uh chuck's going to have a damn fine three pack of seasoning coming out okay Mm -hmm. there's all of this but these are just steps up the the ladder that chuck's taking and chuck's going to be a powerful man for for the rest of it, I don't think there's a lot of give up in this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I agree. I tell Ten, I tell Ten everybody that the, the chase of it all is everybody says, "Man, I hope you make it. I hope you make it." They, they always think that I'm chasing that. I said, "Man, what I'm chasing is simplicity, and I'm gonna get there." You know, and I and I, I can't. I, what I imagine paradise, I imagine you know me and my family in a little spot down on the river somewhere. And we ain't got to go do nothing for nobody because we 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 made our way and and I've been able to provide whatever we need with 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 the stuff I'm pursuing and I can just live a simple life and just kind of live in the woods and hunt and fish and gather and just live a really simple easy life. That's that's what I'm aspiring to try to get to. I don't care nothing about fame or none of that i really don't I, I genuinely don't i just i just want to be able to do something that ain't nobody else ever said they could do from garden arkansas and that's hey man i did music i got on tv i sold seasonings i did whatever i could do that was, was far from everybody else's imagination down there and i was able to set myself up where i could have a enjoyable life you know i just googled it while you were talking and uh there ain't never been a world champion squirrel judge from Garden, Arkansas. Mm. You got your we point. We might have one next year. Oh. Yeah. Well, hey, you better. Boy, go ahead. Before, before you get it big, son, Name uh, the day. you need to put on September 7th, 2024 on the calendar. Well, lock me in, uh, baby. Lock me in. I'm, I'm, I'll be there. Now, now here's what you got to dress up like. <laughs> Palomino. 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 Overalls, no shirt, no shoes. <laughs> you better, you, and then Mexican spurs better jingle jangle. I've got some Mexican spurs. I'll buy you. I'll loan you. No, hey, brother. I, I, hey. I, what I want to do real quick while I got you is I want to plug a few things, if y'all don't mind, that I got going on just Please so everybody do. 
you know the show like i said everybody that's listening out there and all you guys i mean i don't know when the dates are ain't nobody talking about it i really don't know what's going on with it just just keep a watch on it follow me it's all i think it's real big chuck and chuck is spelled c-h-u-k you can find me on all platforms i got an album called moonshiner chuck that's gonna come out uh it'll pre-release on on black friday this year the day after thanksgiving and you can get it some if you order it then you get some instant gratification songs and then the day after christmas it'll actually come out and that'll be uh it's got 19 records on it. it's full bodied i mean it's it's it covers a wide spectrum of different things i get it if you don't like rap music you ain't got to listen to it but there are a couple in there where i'm singing on them so uh I got uh and then the seasoning we're working on that. So 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 guys just I, I, I just want all the support I can get. Listen, I ain't nobody special and I ain't asking nobody to do anything outside their reach. I'm just trying to do something a little different than most people do and, and, and all and I need the support of every person that listens to this and anybody that hears this that all that support is what's gonna get me there and I and I appreciate y'all in advance. Right on. Big Chuck's also going to – he's working on a deal. He's going to hook us up with the cornbread dude. Yeah. That's my boy. Uh, there. with cornbread? Cooking no, with Cajun. Cooking with yes, Cajun. Cooking with Cajun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Motherfucking cornbread. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's, he's going to hook boy, us up with know, that. Hey, and I'm going to tell you, that's a, that's a damn fine fella there. And I'm going to tell you, I brought him down to Arkansas, and we went out and caught frogs together, boy, and we drank shine, and we had a great night in him. And uh, we, me and him have bonded that night, and we've been in touch ever since. That's a, that is a solid guy right there to know and to meet. He's taught me so much about this social media stuff and how to work that stuff. He is, uh, he's got a great story so if you guys i'm telling you he's he's definitely somebody you want to have on and, and not not to mention he he makes me like like a little ant in, in comparison to how many followers and stuff you bet we'll get we'll get producer aaron lined up with him but dude you're good you're a good guy you're a friend of ours now and and uh i'm sure our listeners will enjoy it they're going to enjoy uh putting your story into the story that discovery channel is going to tell yeah so i think it was a it was a great show yeah absolutely thanks, thanks for brother. spending some time with us man i appreciate, I appreciate y'all having me man and I, I i appreciate everything you're doing joe I, I i love it and i want to be a part of it and i'm I, i'm one of those guys man i ain't gonna change at all no matter what comes my way so same man i am today same man i'll be no matter what so just holler at me if y'all ever need me for anything We'll do hey chuck hold on i'm gonna do an outro real quick and then we want to talk to you a little more okay got some more special stuff all right guys well thanks for listening as always like it share it download it spread it around um tell S your friends send us a message and we'll yeah. talk about you on the show yeah, yeah let us let we'll us give know. you a shout out yeah if a man a hoot out. <laughs> yeah <laughs> give us a little hoot and uh, we like to hear from you. It's what keeps this thing going. So right, we'll catch you next time. Love you. See you. They're into barbecue cooking women. Say they're good looking into me. There ain't a way to go wrong. If you're out at the lake or with the hippies getting baked, they're going to love it if you turn it on. If laughter and good times, tall tales and big lies fall under your category. Get with Aaron and Joe's Cause you know you wanna go And hear them cooking up a story Just get with Aaron and Joe's Hey, you know you wanna go And hear them cooking up a story